0: It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, we will have a college football week for scoreboard along with everything you need to know from week three of the National Football League, plus fantasy football files and so much more. That's all coming your way next. Stay tuned.
1: you connected, this is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening
0: to my man,
2: Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast.
0: All righty, back with you on another episode of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Yes, indeed, we're going strong here. Got my man Dan Dembski calling in from Blacksburg again. Dan, some more great news for you. Got on with ESPN Blacksburg. Can you tell us a little bit about that, sir?
2: Yeah, so I got connected with them uh, last semester, and so I went in and just kind of asked uh, Paul Van Wagner, who's the owner and operator and um, host of their main afternoon show called The Drive, and I talked to him and asked if he had an internship, and they said, sure, and that's basically what it was. I, I And now I'm covering volleyball for them this season. I'll be going to the home games and and watching the away games too and uh you know making notes and stuff to do uh segments on the radio on monday so um i had one this past monday i just downloaded the mp3 for that i'm going to put it on my social media so um you know you can follow me on twitter at dan the vt man 97 i'll I'm sure i'll put it up there and if you have me on facebook i'll put it on there as well but i'm pretty excited josh and it's it's cool to get both um, you know, experience covering games and experience on the more experience on the air, which I've uh already had, but I'm happy to have more of it.
0: Well, that's awesome, man. So glad for you. So welcome to the show again. We look forward to talking with you about Sports in general and week three NFL football. But before we get begin, the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast is part of the Mayo Please podcast network, www.mayoplease.com. And you can find him on SoundCloud and Twitter at the Mayo Please. We're sponsored by Rat 11 Chips. Make sure you find a bag today inside your local Martin's Food Lion and Giant stores and by PM Plus Reserves. Um, And as always, thank you to JR Beats Official, MPT Now Productions, and Dave Johnson. Let's get right into it, Dan, with some college football talk. Um, Virginia Tech had a bye week this week, so what, what, what were your thoughts on... Virginia Tech having a bye week and some notable games you saw over the past weekend,
2: well, Josh, we needed the bye week uh badly uh we haven't played our best football so far this season, and uh I'm not gonna say much more than that. We've just played sloppy football and now begins the grind of our schedule uh we have a we have a game on Friday night an a c c game against Duke, so we gotta prepare for that and uh yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Uh we we just haven't we haven't played sharp football so far. We're we're um not a good football team and you know UVA and UNC on our side of the ACC have played extremely well and minus that UNC loss, which we'll touch on, I'm sure. Um and yeah, that's that's basically all I have to say about Virginia Tech is we've got a lot of improvement to make between now and the end of the season, especially if we, we want to keep our uh, UVA streak alive and our um our bowl streak alive as well.
0: Yeah, most definitely there. Hopefully they can prepare and come out these next couple of days with a couple of wins. So um, some other um scores for you on the sc- college football scoreboard week for Florida state got their second win over Louisville, 35 to 24 Appalachian upset two and two and, and excuse me, North Carolina, 34 to 31 Pitt. Upsets UCF thirty five to thirty four. That that yeah. that one is a game changer. What what are your thoughts on that upset, Dan?
2: I was shocked. Uh, I tuned into the end of the game, so I saw them pull it out, and um, it's good for the ACC, but it's also bad for our side of the conference because again, they're another team we're competing with, and I'm already nervous about playing the other teams in general. Uh, that's kind of a side note, but I, I was impressed with how Pitt played. Um, you know, they just were relentless; they weren't quitting, and and that's really what college football is about, Josh. Um, they also had a huge lead, and they they had a uh, 21 to 10 lead at the half, and uh, UCF scored 21 points in the third, so they made it a made it a good football game. But Pitt was able to shut them down in the fourth quarter, and just you know, it goes to show you you never know in college football, Josh. And uh, you got to give Pitt a ton of credit. Um, and now UCF fans can stop complaining about not being in the college football playoff. That's not going to happen this season, which, which makes me smile.
0: Yeah. And same thing with Appalachian and UNC, like sort of yeah. makes the conference look bad.
2: It does. It does. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's quite an embarrassing loss and especially because UNC was at home. Um, you can't lose a game like that. And, uh, you know, Appalachian State's a good football team in their conference, you know, but they're not. They they shouldn't be able to beat an ACC team on the road. It just shows you how weak the ACC is outside of Clemson. And I think I've said that on previous episodes. Yeah, but North Carolina they've got they've got a way to they've uh, you know the weird thing is Josh they they were playing so well before that loss, and now it just looks like they're basically back to ground zero, which they're not. But uh, you know. It's just – it's a bad look for them. It's a bad look for the ACC, and uh, they definitely have – I said tech needs to, to improve, but they definitely need to improve after that loss at home.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And some other scores on the scoreboard. Um, close games for you. Texas over Oklahoma State, um, 36-30. to um, UGA over Notre Dame in a close one twenty-three. a good game to 17. Any thoughts on that one?
2: Um, That was just, I think that was the game we all expected to see. We expected to see a good, I think we all expected to see a higher scoring football game. I know I did. Uh, the fact that, you know, a Georgia who's scores at will only scored 23 is amazing. Uh, Ian Book's mistakes, I think really costed Notre Dame, those two interceptions and Georgia took advantage. It, you know, they only won. They won by less than a touchdown. So uh, that's all it takes. But Jake Fromm played well, Josh. He was, he uh, only had six incomplete passes, and he added a touchdown pass. Not his best game by any stretch of the imagination. But Georgia is going to be a tough team to beat, and I think they're a college football playoff team, just like they they were a season ago. So I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And uh, that was definitely an exciting game, and was well worth. The watch.
0: Yeah, I, I can't agree more with that. So I'm running down some more scores, Dan. Um, not really a big upset, but unranked Colorado gets the win over Arizona State University, number 24 ranked 34 to 31. And a game I want to talk a little bit about. Okay. Um, yes, Gardner Minshew was at that game. Ha- I I went to bed at about midway through the second quarter and it was a pretty decent score Washington State University losing to UCLA 67 to 63 UCLA gets their first win over that and it ends up UCLA and Washington State scoring over 60 points each and I was like wow so Pretty big, high-scoring game there in the late game. Not sure if you watched that one, Dan, but pretty high-scoring and back-and-forth towards the end of that one.
2: I didn't get to see it live, but I'll tell you my um, my thoughts were that Washington State just shot themselves in the foot time and time again, Josh. They had six turnovers in the ball game. UCLA just had the one turnover and uh you know that's going to kill you time and time again uh they also they lost four fumbles uh off those six turnovers so um they basically self-imploded in this football game there's no other way to to put it um but man gordon the quarterback for uh washington state 41 of 61 5 570 yards nine touchdowns that's nine
0: still- touchdowns. That's ridiculous. So
2: it takes four weeks for for some quarterbacks to make, throw that many touchdowns.
0: And um, he did that all in a game.
2: One game, wow! almost 600 yards, nine touchdowns. I couldn't believe when I saw that stat line. Wow. And um, yeah, that's, that's also a bad look for the PAC 12, a conference, you know, that, um, you know, usually a team like Washington state is one of the, you know, Supreme teams as, as it's been uh, when you have a, when the Pac-12 has a ranked team, that's usually how it is. Uh, but that, that shocked me that that's all I have to say. You got to give credit to UCLA. They forced turnovers. They were able to, uh, you know, cash in on those opportunities, score 29 points in the fourth quarter. Um, and that's how they fought back to win the football game. Uh, a, con- a convincing win at that 67 points is not something to sneeze at.
0: Yeah, most definitely a great uh, recap and summary of the college football scoreboard. Any last thoughts before we move on, Dan?
2: I don't have anything this week. Uh, Since Tech was off, I can't complain
0: too much. All right. Well, you know what that means, moving on to week three of the NFL. Let's run down the scoreline, then we'll give you our thoughts and opinions about the past week, starting with the Thursday night game, Jacksonville over Tennessee 20 to 7. Then moving into Sunday, uh, Buffalo in a close one over Cincinnati 21 to 17. I actually picked them in my Survivor Pick'em League, Buffalo over Cincinnati, and I'm still alive.
2: Good. Great. Still pick. Alive.
0: What, Great what, pick. What's today's date, by the way? Today
2: is the 25th. September. Is
0: is today Wednesday?
2: It is Wednesday, buddy. Okay, day.
0: cool. Cool. I still have a day to get my pick in. I can't forget about that. Josh <laughs> Rosen um starts for Miami and uh they only put up 6 points to Dallas 31 to 6, not surprising. Green Bay over Denver 27 to 16. Indianapolis in a close one against Atlanta 27 to 24. Kansas City over Baltimore, 33 to 28. Minnesota wow. over Oakland, 34 to 14. New England over the Jets, 30 to 14. Detroit over Philly, dropping them to one and two, 27 to 24. Carolina over Arizona, 38 to 20. New York over Tampa Bay, 32 to 31. Houston over Los Angeles Chargers, 27 to 20. San Francisco 24, Pittsburgh 20, New Orleans over Seattle 33 to 27, Los Angeles Rams over the Cleveland Browns 20 to 13, and the Monday night massacre part two, the Chicago Bears 31, the Redskins 15. We will get into all those, but what what I really want to get into is, let me get it here, the – all the backup quarterbacks that are in the league. You have so many um, new faces um, under center for different teams. So I I sort of want to get um, thoughts here from you, Dan, about who you think performed the best out of all the new quarterbacks who are replacing injured quarterbacks.
2: Tough. Okay. Okay.
0: Hmm. Well, we stumped him there.
2: (laughs) Are we just looking at week three, right? That's, that's all we're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I I have to say Gardner Minshew probably played the best out out of all the quarterbacks that are, that are new faces. Um, He's just been exceptional, you know, 204 yards, two touchdowns in that win, kind of a snoozing game, if you will, just to, you know, they only scored 20 points, obviously. So. Uh, But yeah, he pretty much carried their offense. Um, (laughs) So, you know, he's, and of course the, uh, you know, the the mustache adds to the mystique of Gardner Minshew. And he's, uh, he may be the answer for them. I I don't know if long-term he's the guy, but certainly right now, you know, this season, uh, he's going to be the the guy moving forward, obviously with Nick Bull's injury, but he's, he impressed me the most, uh, Josh. And, uh, you know, the Titans defense is, is not awful. I mean, they have a pretty decent defense. So uh, the fact that, that he was able to play that well, uh, really for me, pushes him over the edge uh, is the best, is the best uh, new face quarterback that we've seen this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, Jacksonville, they, they really surprised me this week because I thought Tennessee was better than putting up seven points and Gardner Minshew proved us wrong and like you said he did carry the team and they held Tennessee to seven points which is really really impressive to me
2: yeah and the and I think you know this the Jags need to need to run the run the football better I mean it's you know Leonard Fournette should have more than 66 yards rushing on 15 attempts that's going to hurt him down the stretch now they're not they're not a playoff team this year I don't think Um know they could surprise people but They don't have the defense or the run game right now to, or they they don't have the complete phase down, if you know what I mean. Um, But if they're gonna they're gonna have to continue to rely on Gardner Minshew. They're gonna have to run the football more effectively. So that to me is the key for them moving forward. Can they improve the run game? Because it hasn't been there. And Leonard Fournette's supposed to be the guy. So we'll see if um, if he can improve because it just hasn't been there right now.
0: Yeah, so Gardner Minshew, a uh, big name. And moving on to another quarterback I'd like to talk about is Teddy Bridgewater. Last week after coming in for Drew Brees, who suffered a hand injury, Teddy Bridgewater surprised me this game. Well. Yeah, really well. I know. they, they beat up the him. Seahawks. And mm-hmm. I was very surprised after last week he could not get the – offense in sync and like there was very little offensive production after drew Brees went out not not record shattering numbers only 177 yards and two touchdowns but russell wilson had 406 yards passing with two touchdowns and he still couldn't manage to beat the new orleans saints
2: no teddy bridgewater was great i mean he only had eight incomplete passes like you said it didn't look like the same quarterback (laughs) that was playing just the week before. So um, he did what he had to do, Josh, but he also played a lot better than I think people are giving him credit for. Um, You know, the Saints were also able to run the football pretty well with, with, with uh, Alvin, Alvin Kamara, finally uh, getting some stuff done. So he, and uh, he helped him on the receiving end too, let him in receiving. So um, obviously I think the game plan for Teddy Bridgewater was to get the football to uh, Alvin Alvin Kamara in any way, shape, or form. So, the the Saints were able to do that. Um, yeah, that was a big upset. I was surprised by that game, surprised by that score. Um, you know, I think maybe Seattle may have may have quite honestly just looked past them, Josh, which wouldn't have happened obviously if Breeze was starting. Um, but that was that was a wild game to say the least. And Teddy Bridgewater it's close between he and Gardner Minshew for the best performance last week uh, for, uh, you know, a backup quarterback coming in in that situation.
0: Yeah, you can never overlook a team because they don't have their starting quarterback. That's one thing that will lead your team to a loss just like that if you don't prepare for the backup quarterback if he were to come in. so um That's you
2: true, have- and... Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say one more thing.
0: Yeah, no, you're good.
2: Yeah, he. I mean, he just didn't have a lot of. He hasn't had a lot of tape in the last, you know, ha- however long he's been in the NFL. I want to say, you know, three or four years now. Um, he just he hasn't had a whole lot of tape in the last two years. Much less, I think, his last you know real experience was three or four years ago. So uh, it was probably hard for them to gain to really plan for him because they, we just haven't seen him
0: yeah miss definitely there. So moving right along, um Luke Falk from the New York Jets. um not really a good game to debut as a starting quarterback because they faced the Patriots, and they lost 30 to 14, and he had an interception. But is there promise from Luke Falk that he could lead the Jets to a couple wins this season?
2: Oh man, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's, again, it's one of those situations, you know, he's coming in with an extremely, extremely tough challenge. He's a, he was a third string quarterback just a couple weeks ago. Uh, So for him to have to jump into that role of the starting quarterback after two injuries, um, uh, well, obviously Sam Darnold with mono, I think he's going to, I don't know how much longer he'll be out. Um, but you know, that's, that's a really tough question because on the scoreboard, they only lost by two touchdowns. Uh, but I, I, again, I think they're going to have to lean on Le'Veon Bell who hasn't played well, by the way, to get, to run the football better and more effectively, if they're going to win some games, they're going to have to have that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And Falk is, I mean, he, he's not going to be able to do it on his own. I mean, that's just the bottom line. He's not that kind of, that kind of quarterback yet. Uh, it takes, Several years to get accustomed to being that big play quarterback. If you're going to become that, a lot of guys don't. Uh, so to answer your question, because I, I, you know, kind of went around the question a little bit. I, I don't think he can win more than two games as the starter. I, and again, I don't know how long he's going to play, as I think Darnold will be back. Should should be back soon, but time will tell. You know, I, I. I don't think he played that badly. I mean, on the on the stat sheet, it's not good. Uh, but, I mean, you have low expectations for that guy. You don't expect him to come out and throw five, six, seven touchdown passes in his first game, especially against a Patriots team that's extremely stacked and looks like they're a sure thing again for the Super Bowl. So, uh, I just think it's too early, Josh, and we need to see more more games with Falk playing because, I, you know, in a couple of weeks, if he's still the starter, which I said it depends on, you know, when. Like I said, it depends when Darnold's going to get back. So, you know, I think we need to see more before we can judge, is he going to win some games for the Jets? Because they're just not a good football team um, across the board. It's not just the quarterback position.
0: Yeah, and from the reports I've been hearing, um, Sam Darnold um is getting sidelined still because they don't want him risking a lacerated spleen due to um his mono infection. So um yeah. g- great point there. Definitely don't know how long he will be in, but not not a good way to start off um against the New England Patriots. No, um,
2: that's definitely not the Opening game you want to have against the the best team in the NFL. I guess you could argue that it's the Chiefs, you too. But um, the one of the top tier teams in the NFL. That's a very tough assignment for any quarterback, whether they be a veteran quarterback or a guy like him who's extremely young and has never started an NFL game before.
0: Yes, indeed, and a similar situation in the next game we're gonna talk about. Josh Rosen, um, former Arizona Cardinal. Um, coming to the Dolphins, he gets put in against the Dallas Cowboys and did not throw a touchdown or an interception in that game, but got 200 yards passing. But once again, not a good start. Yeah, He's been in the league, but still not a good start against the Dallas Cowboys for his first game in a Dolphins uniform starting.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just, I think Rosen's going to be one of those guys that is an NFL journeyman, kind of an NFL, um, a backup journeyman, if you will, going to different teams throughout his career. I just don't know if he's going to make it in this league as a quarterback. I just, I, you know, I, I've been sort of, um, you know, cautious of him ever since he, ever since he was drafted. So. I I'm not sure. I just I don't see it. I the arm strength isn't there, the accuracy isn't there. Who knows? He can improve that over time. And again, like you said, not not an easy task once again to come out and have to play the Dallas Cowboys who have been whether you want to admit it or not, one of the hottest teams in the NFC right now, if not the hottest team. Um but we'll see what happens. Um you know, I I think time will tell, like I've said a lot on this here on this here program. Um, you know, he's, he was 18 to 39. That's just, that's just not good. Um, so I, I could see him really at the end of this being a bust. I mean, he was, a, he was a pretty high draft choice. So, um, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. But, uh, I don't want to make a whole different conversation out of this, but, um, one of the reasons he's just a journeyman and a backup, in my opinion, um, is because Arizona ruined him, you know, one year, and then he gets shipped off for Kyler Murray. So that that's just my opinion. But um, he got to start this week. Um, hopefully next week he can do a little bit better. Um, we've talked about Jacoby Brissett, and I, I want to talk about him a little bit more against Atlanta. The Colts yeah. in general just look like a team who – is playing well even without Andrew Luck. Jacoby Brissett has been in a starting role before. And I think he's doing a great job. And they beat the Falcons. The Falcons who are sort of struggling this year, 27 to 24. And Jacoby Brissett and the Colts look pretty darn good still.
2: Yeah. Um I, I think people counted them out, Josh, at the beginning of the season. And I have a friend down here who's a Colts fan. And he said, no, Brissett's a pretty good backup. He's a serviceable NFL quarterback. And I just kind of rolled my eyes and said, yeah, right, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, he's got 646 yards passing and seven touchdowns on the season already and only one interception. Um, So he has really played extremely well and has given the Colts a chance to win football games. Um, So, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I, I think he gives you another factor that Andrew Luck wasn't able to do, and that's, you know, he's, Brissett's a pretty mobile quarterback, and um, I think he works better behind this offensive line anyway than Andrew Luck did. Um, I don't know if he's going to be as good as Andrew Luck. Again, that's, it's way too early to talk about any of that stuff yet. Uh, So, um, I think the Colts are in pretty good hands, Josh. Uh, I think Brissett's a pretty good quarterback, and he's only going to get better as time goes on, and as he gets more experience, which is what he needs right now um and you know the Falcons aren't a joke I mean the Falcons are a pretty good team they they can they can win some games so that's that's a great it's been a great start of the season for Jacoby Brissett and hopefully he continues to improve and get better in this system and uh you know that that AFC South is a strange division so you know we'll see what we'll see what that brings I I think the Colts could be a playoff team I I I don't I don't question that um it's it's very possible, especially like I said with this division. So anything can happen, but I think Brissett's going to continue to play well.
0: Yeah, w- without a doubt. And Brissett, you know, he's played for the Patriots when Tom Brady got suspended, and then their backup quarterback, I think it was Jimmy Garoppolo at the time, if I remember correctly, he got injured. Then Brissett came in and did pretty well. So he's he's not a stranger to that.
2: No, no, he's not. Uh you know, he's been in the league since uh you know, twenty sixteen. So he really it's really a small sample size, Josh. Uh, you know, he's only played he's only played in twenty six games total, only started twenty games and um you know, with I think Andrew Luck got hurt in twenty seventeen and we got and we saw Jacoby Brissett play, you know, thirteen touchdowns, seven picks and he started almost the whole season, so, you know, it's just too small of a sample size, but he looks to be getting a lot better, and I, I think that's the the thing that's great, uh, when you're a head coach of the Colts, when you're Frank Reich, or, um, um, shoot, just lost my train of thought there, I apologize, oh, uh, Jim Irsay, the owner, uh, that's, that's something that you really want to see, uh, you want to see improvement, and he he has improved and like you said he had a chance to back up Tom Brady and i'm sure Brady taught him some things and he's definitely done a good job learning and learning behind he and Andrew Luck who are two great quarterbacks has really helped him and you can you can see that on the field
0: yeah most definitely so um i want i want to move on here to the next um qb1 new qb1 um Kyle Allen of the Carolina Panthers they got the win in Arizona 38 to 20 um, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals, first off, before I go into the Panthers. Yeah, Kyler Murray seems to be more comfortable each week, and they're still a young team, and I think Kyler Murray now has some promise moving forward into the NFL.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, he's been running for his life, the poor guy, uh, with that offensive line. But he's played well. Um, He had two interceptions, two touchdowns this past week in that loss to the Panthers. Um, So not his best performance. But, look, when you're a rookie quarterback, you're going to have games like that. When you're a veteran quarterback, you're going to have games like that. So I think if the Cardinals are able to get some receivers uh, and stop putting all their faith in, you know, a a 49-year-old receiver named, um, (laughs) you know, named – uh Larry Fitzgerald <laughs> he's not 49 I'm just just kidding around but uh you know the the bottom line is <clears throat> excuse me um you know he's he's going to be getting better and the Cardinals just need a better offensive line it's just it's terrible right now he has to run out of the pocket and th- make a lot of bad throws because he doesn't have time so um if the Cardinals can build through not only the draft, but free agency is important for them too. Then they can, they can be a good team out in that division. It's a very tough division to have success in, but I think they can do it in three to four years. They could maybe be a perennial playoff team.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And moving over to the Carolina Panthers, Kyle Allen, four touchdowns in that game on 261 yards. He's already been named the starter for week four against Tampa Bay. Um, looks like another quarterback who could do some great things um not sure how long cam is going to be sidelined for but definitely could be an answer moving forward yeah
2: that's what i was going to say i th- i think the cam newton situation is uh it's not looking good for him um when the backup quarterback played that well not to be fair excuse me to be fair it was against the cardinals defense uh but um, you know the future. Uh, I think I think the fu- you have to start thinking about the future. And Cam Newton's just had a ton of injuries. He's been beaten up behind that offensive line, and it's time to start. You know teams don't like to do it, but you have to start preparing uh, for the inevitable, which is retirement, which is that future. Um, you know Cam Newton really has played well, and it's I think it's been mostly due to the fact that he's had so many injuries, undisclosed injuries even. Um, so maybe Kyle Allen can be that answer. I don't know. It's it's one game. Again, sports, you know, sports talk shows make a big deal out of it. And like they have with Daniel Jones, not quite as much as they have with Daniel Jones. I don't know if we're going to, we're going to talk about him, I'm sure. But um, he he had a great football game. What else can you say? His receivers really played well too. Uh, but I don't know if he's a permanent answer or not. I, I think he's definitely an option for the Car- or the Cardinals, for the Panthers. And like I said, they have to start preparing for the future without Cam because it looks inevitable right now that his injuries are going to keep him out for for at least the immediate future.
0: Yeah, um, good point there, and I wanted to get to that next. Um, Cam Newton and his future with Carolina, he definitely does not look like a MVP-style quarterback when he was in the um Super Bowl against Denver but um how how much longer do you think Cam has with the Carolina Panthers with all these injuries building up
2: it's hard it's hard to hard to estimate that Josh um you know uh, he's been there since 2011 now um you know that's that's obviously eight years for people who are doing simple math out there um so you know I I think once you get to year 10 which you know is is vastly approaching I think then you re re reevaluate your situation or or maybe sooner it just depends on how severe the injuries are no one really knows right now Uh, but like I said he hasn't played like himself and you have to start thinking about life after after football when you don't have your quarterback who was supposed to save the franchise but we'll see what happens Josh it's it's just too soon to talk about his future Um, again Kyle Allen's only played one game we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think by week 10 or 11, we may have a more clear picture. Um, That's quite a ways away now. I I realize, but you know, we may be able to understand what's going to happen more in that, in that case. So.
0: Yeah. And you talked about him. We're going to get into him right now. Daniel Jones, Pat Shermer decided he had enough of Eli Manning, which I, really disagree with Eli has led the Giants to two Super Bowls. Yes, he's not in his prime anymore, but after two games, he's like, yeah, let's throw in Daniel Jones. And, yeah, he makes a pretty good comeback, Um, 23 for 36, 336 yards and two touchdowns in that comeback win against Tampa Bay. And, boy, how Tampa Bay lost that game was ridiculous. But before yeah, I get I mean- into – before I get into that, Daniel Jones just looked great, and I i mean, I, I think he might be the answer for the New York Giants. I had a feeling he'd come in for the Giants, but I just didn't think it would be this early in the season.
2: I agree with part of what you said. I, I agree with that last part. I thought he would come in later in the year. You know, I think fans get restless around, you know, week six, week seven when you have when. The starting quarterback is just playing so poorly and they'll put the they'll put the young backup in. So that's when I thought he would get a chance. But I actually agree with the move. I, I think Eli has been awful for really for really the last four to five seasons. And, you know, there there comes a point when you just can't have poor quarterback play anymore. You have to make a change. And I think that's why they made the move to Daniel Jones. Um, you know, I think he's being a little overhyped. I know he played, I know how well he played. I saw that. the, I I see the numbers, I see all that stuff, but people are anointing him like the next great quarterback. And people in the media just tend to take that narrative and run with it and just drill it into the ground. Um, You know, I, I, there's, there's been a lot of quarterbacks who have had great first games, great, you know, first few games in the NFL, and they've been terrible ever since and have been busts. So I don't I don't know if he's going to be a bust. It's way too early to tell. Uh I can say he has a pretty good attitude. Um unlike a lot of quarterbacks, who, selfish quarterbacks who have only thought of themselves who have been some of the most famous busts of all time. Um and he he is very hung, hungry to win. Um and he made some really good throws Josh. There's no doubt about it. Uh and I think the Giants have pretty solid receivers too. Uh but we'll see what happens. I, I do think Eli's done at at the end of the day. I mean, he's been in the league for 15 years. He has not played. He's been one of the lower tier quarterbacks for the last four to five. And I mean, bottom of the NFL, 28, 29, 30 overall, um, as far as his numbers are concerned. So I think the move to Daniel Jones, it gives them a spark possibly in that division where now the, now your Washington Redskins sit in last place. And, uh, I don't think many people are surprised by that. Um but you know maybe maybe he's the quarterback for the future. Again, it's one of those things that I've been saying this the whole podcast. I just don't know. It's just way too early to tell. Um and again, the Giants got lucky at the end of that game because the Buccaneers hooked a field goal, um uh, less than a 40-yard field goal. So anyway, Eli's done. Daniel Jones is most likely the future. I don't know how bright of a future, how strong of a future he has but he played extremely well, and he, he's he got a lot of talent. There's no there's no denying that. I'm not denying that at all.
0: Yeah, um, I sort of want to go back to when you were talking about the media and how the high praise is for Daniel Jones. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that. He has to earn his praise, and them just saying he's the next king for New York or whatever, I j- just don't get that. And, yeah, he has to earn it, and he played a pretty good – game but can he keep that momentum up because he is just a rookie and rookies tend to make mistakes down the line so we'll just have to see how the media and all that um when he makes well, his first few mistakes you know
2: well and it, it also adds fuel to the fire that he's in you know the biggest media market of one of the biggest media markets of all which is new york which is new york city obviously um so you know um but yeah, that tends to it just happens in the media with with in sports media, you know, the net, they just make such a big deal about every little thing that happens, especially nowadays it's gotten out of control with certain players. Um when they do one thing that's great on the field, they just they're the next great thing and that's that's it and then it becomes a cold tank. Well, you know, once you know 3 to 4 weeks down the line. So I think that's the that's the target we're looking for here, Josh. A month from now is Daniel Jones still is is he helping the Giants win football games? you know I think that's 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 how it goes, but I really think you have to give him a whole season to honestly judge how he's going to play and we'll see what happens at at the end of the year they're not they're not going to make the playoffs you know they're not they're they're just not good enough especially on the defensive side of the ball they are pathetic um so they're not they're not a playoff team, but you want to see the quarterback help them win football games if you can if it 's not his fault then we're going to know So uh, give him the season, see what happens. Eli's done either way. Eli's done either way. I I just think he's tired. He can't throw the football anymore. And Daniel Jones is definitely the future of of the New York Giants.
0: So do you think Eli will retire at the end of this season?
2: I I really don't see why he wouldn't at this point. Uh, You know, 14 year pro he's been, he's been around the league a long time, but he's just not good. I mean, he, he just, he doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the the accuracy. You know, it doesn't. It's sad because he doesn't look like the same quarterback he was when they won that Super Bowl. Of course, that was eight years ago now. So yes, I think he retires. Um, you know, I I think he goes out. I don't know. I think he goes out in a pretty good way with the Giants. Helped them win two Super Bowl rings against the Patriots, which is pretty good. A lot of quarterbacks can't say that. Um, you know, but his numbers, his numbers are not great as far as a hall of fame quarterback's concerned, but, but I'm not the one who votes for the guys who end up in the Hall of Fame. But um yeah, I think he's gone after the season. And I think he sees the writing on the wall, Josh, because Daniel Jones, there's this buzz around him now. And that that that's hard to get rid of. That that's the bottom line.
0: Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Um but definitely Eli is gonna go down as a Hall of Famer besides um, regardless of how he's been playing the past couple of seasons um past his prime, but definitely do not count him out. He will be a Hall of famer,
2: yeah, I'm not counting him out um, but you know his numbers haven't been great, but again, I'm not the person who decides that,
0: yeah, so um, moving on we'll we'll talk about the buccaneers next um We've, that that wraps up our quarterbacks, the new QB ones in the league, as of right now. So, um, moving on, I I want to obviously talk about the Buccaneers and what the heck is Bruce Arians thinking? My goodness, like Bruce Arians, he uh, I hear reports saying he took a delay of game because mm-hmm. he says his kicker is better. From longer range, how did that work out for you, Bruce? The Giants won that football game. Unbelievable.
2: Yeah, that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard a coach say um, after a game. It doesn't make a doesn't make a damn bit of sense. And you know, I I, I just I don't I don't know what to think. You know, I, I think Bruce Arians is, is a good coach. He's re, he seems like a relatively smart guy. Um, I mean, Matt Gay hit a long of fifty two yards during the game. Um, so maybe that's what he was looking at and thinking about. But he also missed missed two extra points in this in the same game. <laughs> so I, I just I, I I don't understand that. I saw you post that on Facebook, and I just commented, "I'm like, what an idiot!" Basically, and you know, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's all I can say about it because I don't understand it.
0: Yeah, I I don't get it either. And Tampa Bay deserves to lose after that comment Absolutely. Bruce Arian said.
2: Absolutely, and you know, it's surprising he didn't apologize for it or say I was I misspoke or anything. He just kind of went with it. He's like, "Oh, whatever."
0: I mean, Bruce Arians um, was a pretty good coach, but that was very questionable in my opinion, and I was very surprised when I heard that.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, it 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 makes players it makes their own players lose faith in them. You know, as as a head coach, you know, can he really lead us if that's the way he feels about it? Um, take the delay of games because our kicker can kick it further. That doesn't. That just doesn't make any sense. That just doesn't make sense. And the players will act like, well, he doesn't want to win, so why should I want to win? And the Bucks will go two and fourteen or something like that.
0: But, <laughs> oh, you know, man. So m- moving. Oh, sorry. Were you were you wrapping some up there?
2: No, I just I just said it's insane. That was all I finished with.
0: Oh. Okay, so uh, moving on, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they, they're 0-3 as of uh, this week, uh, losing to the sure. Buffalo Bills. But they, there's a lot of things I like about them so far. Andy Dalton still doesn't look the best, but there are a lot of things that I see from the Bengals. They're improving. And I I think their new head coach is almost getting ready to cash out on a few wins. I mean, uh, what does Cincinnati have to do to improve to get better and get a couple wins? Because I feel like it's coming for them.
2: Uh, I think it starts with the quarterback. That guy who's been there for so long, Andy Dalton, you know, he's got a – he's just he just hasn't played well. He's turned the football over a lot this year already and you know, it starts with him. He's he's the leader. He's been the the leader since he got there. So, you know, he's 31 now, which is the ins- Bengals have
0: my- which is
2: insane to me. I can't believe he's 31. I feel old now. Um he's got five touchdowns, three picks. That's not bad. You know, but it's not it's not what you want. Um so it it starts with him, but it also starts with the running game. You know, they just haven't got anything going. Mixon has not played well. Um, I had a friend who drafted him. He's been disappointed. Um, just eighty eight yards this season on thirty two attempts for him and then and then Giovanni Bernard. I didn't even know he still played for them. He's got three attempts for five yards in that game. So it, it's and the defense is absolutely awful for Cincinnati, uh, from front to back. They had they really have nobody. So I mean, I'm happy because they're in our division and the more they lose, the better we look. So um, I think fans had an idea coming in. They were going to struggle this year and they certainly have so far. Uh, So I'm not sure where it all starts, Josh. I I think they honestly have to get younger. They have to get younger. They have to, I think they may need to find another quarterback. Um, And that may surprise people to hear me say that, but Andy Dalton, he's just not getting it done for him. Um, He'll have a good game here and there, but overall, I mean, he's a, he's a below-average quarterback or maybe just an average quarterback.
1: Um,
2: so, I don't know. I, they, they have to do everything better on defense, though. I mean, their defense is just horrific, especially their secondary. And um, I just – I I think they're old. I think they're – as a team, they're older. And those younger teams are going to start to get better, and they're, the older teams are going to get worse. That's just how it goes.
0: Yep. So – Cincinnati 0 and 3. Hopefully they can cash out a win. They're soon great thoughts there moving on. Although although Denver is a struggling team this year at 0 and 3, Green Bay still looks like playoff caliber team after last year missing the playoffs, struggling. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur look like they're having a great relationship together. Everything about the Green Bay Packers looks pretty darn good there in Lambeau. Can Green Bay make it back to the playoffs and possibly go farther than last year?
2: Uh yeah, yeah, I don't I I don't doubt it, especially the way that uh you know, Chicago's been sort of up and down so far this year and um you know, I think the Vikings are a dark or ho- are one of those teams flip a coin whether they're gonna win or not. And the Packers are stepping up. I mean, um Valde uh Valde- Scantling, I, I forget how to pronounce his name, Scantling. You know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, the receiver. He's played extremely well for them so far. And they've they've really, um really loved having him on their team and Rogers targeted him ten times. Um of course, he played, uh, so played, played the for the Packers. That we're looking at off played for the Packers exactly, last season, um, but he really didn't see much playing time. So it's it's great to see him get involved. And Rodgers, for once, finally looks healthy. He's not getting hit a lot, and I think that's key. If they can keep Rodgers, if the offensive line can keep Rodgers on his feet, the Packers are going to win games, and they're going to be a playoff team, especially the way they're playing right now.
0: Yeah, I I still feel like Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he's looking oh, yeah. very sure. well this year.
2: I I totally agree with you, Josh. Uh, you know, he has four touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, that's pretty darn good. So, um, I I don't I think he's in the conversation for one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and has been for some time. Of course, last year he it, it kind of tumbled a little bit because of the injuries and missing a lot of time. In the last few years, he's missed quite a few games for them. So. Um, yeah, I think, I, I don't know if he's an MVP candidate because I, I think the guy, that guy who plays quarterback over in Kansas City is pretty darn good, um, but Rodgers certainly has impressed a lot of people so far because I think I was skeptical of him too because of all the injuries and the time he's missed, that he wouldn't be the same quarterback, but he's played extremely well so far, and and more, than, more importantly, he's had that great bond with his head coach, which he didn't have before.
0: Yeah, m- most definitely there. So, um, Dan, I want to get your thoughts. It's time for your soapbox before I let you loose. Um, Baltimore gets handed their first loss by the Kansas City Chiefs, thirty-three to twenty-eight. Although they did lose, Baltimore still looked pretty darn good. I, I, I feel like if I was a Ravens fan, I after watching that game, I would say hey, we played pretty well. Kansas City's a good team. They beat us, but there's a lot of positive things I saw from this game. They actually came back from a being down by a couple points and kept it close, but Baltimore still looks pretty good despite their 2-1 record, Dan.
2: Yeah, um, I'm not upset with the loss. Uh, the fact that we we missed a fourth down conversion uh we went for the two point conversion three times and didn't get a, didn't get a single one. Pretty much cost us the football game. Um so John Harbaugh I think I, I really think he gets blamed for this loss because his decisions ultimately costed us points. Um and that on, on that fourth down, we were easily in field goal range. Uh so you know, we have the best kicker in football, which I don't understand why we just didn't take the points. Um so you know The refs also missed – also had some bad calls to win against us. There was one that was just egregious um, on the sidelines. It was called a pass interference, and he didn't even – he barely laid laid a hand on him, um, which gave the Chiefs a a chance in the red zone, and they eventually scored a touchdown on that drive. Um, Yeah, we we did have a lot of penalties um, as a team. Lamar didn't play his best game. Um, he didn't have a touchdown pass, but he did throw for 267 yards, and he was 22 of 43. Um, our defense really struggled <clears throat> in that second quarter. We gave up 23 points, and so we fell behind 23 to six at halftime. That is tough to come back from, and we gave it a good effort. And again, we just we just missed opportunities. Um, <laughs> you, you go for it on fourth down once. I understand that. Um, you know, but they should have taken the three there and then missing three two-point conversions. That's killer. That's killer. You can't. You add those up and you pretty, and, and you win the football game.
0: Yeah, so some negatives, but mostly positives. And I, I, I like Baltimore probably getting a wild card spot or into the playoffs this year. I, I really uh, I, think Baltimore can do it.
2: I think they win the division, uh, and I still think they win the division. I think they're the best team in that division bar none. And I think we'll find, we'll obviously find that out when they play the Browns on Sunday. And I hope that, I hope we just crush the Browns. Uh, I'm really hoping we do. Um, So we can, we can put some of these haters, shut some of these haters up. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. So moving on to another division opponent in the Ravens division, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Oh, you know, I totally forgot about Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph got his first start in, Pittsburgh will tie that in Um, two touchdowns and an interception, but they lose by four to San Francisco, who looks like they're undefeated and look, looks like a team that could go on to things. I'm not sure if this is a fluke, but the Niners look pretty good, but the Steelers, they're struggling. And Mike Tomlin, I, I could possibly see him on the hot seat. I don't want him. I don't want him to go. He's a great coach for the Steelers. You might disagree since you're a Ravens fan, Dan. But... Oh, no, I,
2: think he's, I think he's a wonderful coach. I, yeah. I But he's, he's costed them several games. And over his years there uh, with some poor decision-making, um, I still think he's a good coach. But at the end of the day, he's going to take the blame when they lose football games. Because you can't really blame Mason Rudolph. He played pretty well for them. Um, the Steelers offense i mean james Conner. what is going on with him only 43
0: been, yards that's unacceptable
2: he's been no good this year um i really think they do miss Le'Veon bell and people aren't going to admit that but you know Le'Veon bell was unbelievable and they expected james Conner to fit that role and he did a pretty solid job last season uh, but he just has not been able to get going this year and that's that's a problem for pittsburgh because uh, you have a rookie quarterback or not a rookie quarterback but a young quarterback. And again, it's crucial to get more than one area going and they have to run the football better. Um, But yeah, um, Garoppolo didn't even play his best game, Josh. He had two picks and only one touchdown and the Steelers Steelers defense actually played pretty well, especially early on um, and through the early part of the third quarter, which is when the teams finally started to score. Uh, but the the overall the 49ers just made more plays, and it's tough for an East Coast team to go out to the West Coast and play. And you know, regardless of what people will, will say about it, but um, yeah, the Steelers have been a huge disappointment. And I don't know, I don't know if Big Ben would have got, would have been better for them in, in this football game because he really his he really struggled before that injury anyway. Uh, but the bottom line is. You know the Steelers, the Steelers are not going to make the playoffs. They're not. They're just not good enough right now. And I don't even know if an O and three team has ever made the playoffs. I haven't done any research on that. Mason Rudolph played extremely well. the The interception he threw was 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 pretty awful. I, I watched most of the game. Um. So, you know, the Steelers led twenty to seventeen with five and a half minutes to go, which is which is unbelievable. Uh, but they had a fumble. Um, they had a fumble that, that the Giants the 49ers got in their territory and they were able to score uh, with about a minute 20 to go and that gave them the lead and the win so um, I'm not sure Pittsburgh's an anomaly to me <laughs> you know they have talent they, they they certainly have talent but the talent just hasn't come through for them um, and defensively they they're just not a good team defensively uh, their secondary is, you know, it's pretty awful. About as, ba- about as bad as they were last season. Anyway, I've talked a lot about the Steelers. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you because I've been yapping for, it feels like, <laughs> years now.
0: Oh, my. Yeah, but um, I, I'm really – I really hate to say this, but I think Mike Tomlin's on a hot seat, early hot seat candidate. I agree. Right I totally agree. I, I hate to say it. He is a great coach, but – I think the Steelers are just going to be done with him after this season because their 0-3 start uh, will lead them probably. And like you said, um, they probably won't make the playoffs. I agree with you there. So what what's next for Pittsburgh in the future? Big Ben, who knows how much longer he has. Mason yeah. Rudolph could possibly yeah. be the answer for him. They He might not, but there, there, there's some... Pieces in the puzzle that need to be solved for Pittsburgh, and I, I think it's going to start with firing Mike Tomlin. Unfortunately,
2: I I couldn't agree more. I I think you know he's shown that he's just not able to do it. Um, he's anymore. They're just not the same team.
0: Um,
2: so you know that's uh, that does suck because I, I I think I really have a lot of respect for Mike Tomlin. I know that surprises you coming from. A, a dirty old Ravens fan. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's all about improving. And the Steelers just haven't been able to do that. And they haven't been able to get over the hump. Um, and they they aren't the same team they were when they were a Super Bowl contending team. So, um, yeah, I agree. I think Big Ben's future is not looking good right now, especially with the kind of injury he has uh you know we'll see what happens but it doesn't look good for him unfortunately and i i i hope he goes out the right way
0: yeah yeah i couldn't agree more with that so um moving on from the afc back into the nfc a game i was very surprised over watching the Philadelphia Eagles get stunned by the Detroit Lions 27 to 24. Eagles drop to one and two. My keys from this game, um this was not Carson Wentz's fault. He had two touchdowns, 19 for 36, 259 yards. He was not the problem. The problem was the receivers in their miscues. Not looking at the ball and just dropping it, like very many incompletions that shouldn't have been incompletions. And the Eagles—they can't take care of the football. It was ridiculous. T- three fumbles, two of them lost to the um, Detroit Lions. So the Eagles really, really struggled at home against the Lions. So I—I'm not sure what they're going to have to do to fix that, but. It, I I'm not complaining since I am a Redskins fan, but the lions, they looked all right. Matt Stafford, 201 yards with a touchdown. Um, But I mean, their running game wasn't that great, but the Lions not really a storybook game with a bunch of numbers on it. The Eagles just shot themselves in the foot with all these turnovers and, ended up giving handing Detroit the win.
2: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, and, and the Lions are I don't know if they can challenge the Packers for that top spot in the NFC North. Probably not, just because the Lions were gifted that that game, I thought, with the turnovers and such. Um yeah, it's it's bad. It's it's really bad. And especially for an Eagles team. That if you if you and I, if you recall you and I both said that well I think you picked the Cowboys to to win your all's division I said it could be the Cowboys or the Eagles, and so I've so far not not been right at all with my pick, uh, but they they um, just having an off season and really before that game Carson Wentz hadn't really showed showed up yet to the level that I think people are expecting he played pretty well in this game, but you know. That's another one of those games, and I, I honestly think some teams just look past other teams, Josh, and you can't do that in the NFL. You can't do that in any league, I should say, uh, but especially not the NFL. And those two turnovers really costed the Eagles, obviously, um, uh, with that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. So they've got a lot of work to do. Um, they And, of course, they have to play the Packers on the road in prime time um uh, what what is that let me go back here let me look let's track where i was okay yeah they're on on, they play on thursday night football against green bay so that's a big test for them and we'll see if they can play a little better
0: yeah i i feel like this nfc east division is just going to be a toss-up Again, the Cowboys are currently leading it. I'll talk about some other teams in a moment, but uh, I feel like um, the NFC East is really going to be a toss-up this year.
2: Well, uh, you know, I, I think I think the Cowboys are the are going to win the division handily. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah,
0: let let, let, let me rephrase nice. that, Dan. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase the, that. I I place, think it's going to be place. a toss-up between second third and fourth place
2: okay yeah i'm gonna rephrase it
0: that way way.
2: okay yeah yeah yeah. i totally agree um look i think the redskins let's face it i mean they're or they probably got last place locked up i hate to say it but they have been a complete dysfunction
0: yeah i'll get i'll get into that shortly don't you worry
2: i'm not worried at all i feel great
0: Oh my. Yeah. So I, before I talk about the Redskins, unfortunately um, I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns in Freddie kitchen, Ew. dumb move to run a draw play on fourth and nine in the fourth quarter. And yeah. they did not get it. Well, like what's the deal with that? They ended up shooting themselves in the foot with questionable coaching and the Rams won uh, that game.
2: Yeah, I have no clue what the hell he was thinking. And I'll, I'll say this, and I heard someone say this, and I and I thought there was a little bit of an overreaction. But now I'm starting to think it's true. Was Freddie Kitchens really qualified for this job? You know, and I think that's a good question. Um, we'll see. Come week ten, eleven, twelve, when they start to uh, when they really want to fire him. At that point, if the Browns are still struggling, but the Rams are a great football team, but they, they did not play They they played pretty poorly. I thought, Um, but yeah, fourth and nine, a draw play. I don't understand that. I don't get it. You know, I, and to me, he just doesn't seem like he's a, he's head coaching material. That's just my opinion, but I love to see it. I I love to see the Browns crumble after everyone said they were going to be this, you know, this powerhouse team that, is a shoe in for the playoffs and maybe has a shot at the Super Bowl. I think that's bull crap. You know, that the offseason off season doesn't matter. It's what you do in the regular season that counts. And um so I think what I'm trying to say is you know, I hope the Browns continue to lose obviously. But I think they're gonna they're obviously going to win some football games. It's just they have a lot of talent. They shouldn't they shouldn't be playing playing this poorly. They should be able to score more than 13 points. That's pathetic. That's pathetic, especially with the guys they have on offense. But I said this at the beginning of the of the season, actually in the preseason when we started this conversation, you know, you, everyone was talking about how the Browns are going to be, you know, this unbelievable turnaround story, blah, 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 blah. And I said, I just don't see it. You know, I don't see the, um, I don't. I, I just didn't get the hype, and it's still early. It's it's still early, but it, it's just a lot of those, a lot of those people who are saying how great they were going to be are starting to go back in their cocoons. So, I don't know. Um, like I said, the Browns are going to win some football games. I'm actually worried about playing them next week, uh, but we'll see what
0: happens. Um, yeah, in this game, it was a it was a game? where the Rams did not play well at all. Jared Goff had two interceptions, and Todd Gurley only rushed for 43 yards, and they still managed to beat the Cleveland Browns. This was not a good game for the Los Angeles Rams at all.
2: No, but I, I think they'll take it because they got the win. But, yeah, two interceptions, and they also lost a fumble too. They gave the Browns a lot of chances, and the Browns offense just couldn't get it done, which I love to see. Uh, it makes me happy to see Baker Mayfield upset, um, upset in that on the field situation when he's when they aren't playing well. So, um, yeah, a lot of those uh, people who have been had them as paper champions are now starting, you know, cower away and tuck themselves away. So I, I hope they continue to struggle, but they won't. I think the Browns will they'll obviously win some games, uh, but I think next week's a key game for both of our teams. It's really going to go a long way in seeing how this is AFC North's going to
0: shape up. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it just comes down to how long until the Browns start looking good. I'm not sure if they will be that storybook team, everybody's saying, but so far they haven't lived up to anything good. And, it, you you'll just have to wait and see in the next couple of weeks if the Browns can improve in how Freddie Kitchens looks, but uh, uh, like case in point, that call Freddie Kitchens made on fourth and nine was a terrible call and it shouldn't have been called.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just bad coaching. It's just bad coaching. And it, you know, it, it reflects poorly on the Browns, you know, front office who made the decision to, to bring him aboard. Now, I'm not saying coaches don't make decisions that lose them football games, uh, but I I think he had some comments after the game that, you know, he, he was pretty nasty about the whole situation. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if that's the right hire, uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, it's again, it's one of those things like everything else with this season. It's such a young season. Eight nine weeks from now, we can finally start to put some conclusions on the thing, but it's still too early to say. You know, Freddie Kitchens was a good hire. Freddie Kitchens is not a good hire. You know, because they got that they got that one win against the Jets, nonetheless. But they got that one win.
0: Yeah. So, uh moving on. Last but not least, the Chicago Bears and Washington Redskins. Yeah, j- just get your popcorn out, Dan, because I might be at this for a little while. Um,
2: get, get my drum roll going.
0: <laughs> but. Since Dan, since 1998, the Redskins have only won one Monday night football game since the year I was born. 1998. Their record the on game? Monday night football is okay. one in 17. That's ridiculous. And I oh, mentally God. prepared myself for the Bears to crush the Redskins. And the Bears had themselves a darn good football game. Khalil yeah. Mack and the rest of the defense looked amazing. You have you had Mitch Trubisky go off. He did not go off the first two games of the season. And I benched him in my fantasy league. But he had 231 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. But, I mean, that interception didn't really matter. <laughs> Um, the Redskins looked terrible. They're the most dysfunctional football team in the National Football League. I will say that right now. I am a fan, but it, it's ridiculous. And it all starts from up top. Dan Snyder yeah. It's all dysfunctional, and the Redskins will never be a good football team without new ownership and a new head coach. I'm not surprised Jay Gruden has not left yet. I'm surprised he has not been kicked off to the curb after that ridiculous showing on Monday Night Football. I'll give credit where it's due. The Chicago Bears, they played one heck of a game. Their defense looked amazing. Pressure Case Keenum all night, but yeah, and yeah, you know Case Keenum had three interceptions. Good job Bears defense, you know, and he had a pick six. Ha ha, Clint Dicks, former Redskins. So, getting to that, some the key points for the Redskins. I did like Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is a great wide receiver. He has a lot of product. And Steven Sims Jr. He looks really good as well. But other than that, um, I hate Jay Gruden. I hate his play calling. Greg Minuski's yeah, defense cannot do anything. Greg Minuski needs to get fired. Jay Gruden needs to get fired. It's ridiculous. And um, Jay Gruden and Adrian Peterson do not have a good relationship. Anymore. That's why AP only got 37 yards in this darn football game and he should be getting the ball, getting the ball more, but he's not. It's ridiculous. And it's all because Jay Gruden doesn't like Adrian Peterson's running style. Adrian Peterson has a future Hall of Fame running back and he's getting sat on the bench for Chris Thompson. Uh primarily a third down back so the Redskins struggling I heard reports today that Case um excuse me Colt McCoy came back to practice because Case Keenum is in a walking boot on his foot the news is saying he will be back for week four but still a walking boot this just comes back to a whole nother quarterback controversy and it's only week three into week four so a lot of stuff that I I just cannot wrap my head around anymore I'm still going to watch the Redskins I'm not going to hop the bandwagon but a lot needs to change and I think it's going to have to start from upper management Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen on to firing Jay Gruden and Greg Minoski. They both have to go. Hands down. Jay yeah. Gruden has yeah. not proved himself at all. And Jay Gruden needs to go.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with pretty much everything you said. I mean I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You you are I was standing on my soapbox, you were standing on your um stepping stool.
1: Yeah,
2: I I don't know. I couldn't think of anything. Um <laughs> but Yeah. I I think they have to clean house, Josh. Uh, It's again, it starts with, I think, you know, uh, I think the general manager has to walk. They just, I think everybody's got to go. You got to start, you got to start over. You got to start over. And that's, that's the bottom line. They're in a rebuild whether they want to admit it or not, whether Dan Snyder wants to admit it or not. So it's, it's just extremely tough. I'm sure to be a Redskins fan. Um, But yeah, it's it was pretty pathetic on Monday night. It was it was honestly embarrassing, Josh. It was embarrassing, uh, especially when you're down 28 to three at the half. Now the Redskins made sort of a comeback, but then it just it, it just wasn't enough. And I think um, I think the game wasn't as close as even the scoreboard said it was, because the Bears really the Bears offense really played pretty conservative and just ran the football mo- most of the time in the second half. So. Um, yeah i totally agree with just about everything you said and again it starts from up top like you said it starts with daniel snyder and um you know he started you know you know bought the team was only was only 34 years old the 34 or he was either 34 between 34 and 36 i can't remember off the top of my head um he's very young and, and grew up a Redskins fan there's a there's a pretty good uh story about him that I saw the other day that wasn't a story from about 10 years ago kind of a feature piece uh but he likes to stay out of the way of uh, of the media really he doesn't go near that stuff um anyway it got sidetracked um yeah I they're just they're just a bad football team I mean there's no other way around it you know they might win three or four games quite honestly and the thing about it with Jay Gruden is, is the amount of excuses that he can he can come up with every week, and you know he can keep saying we're we're going to get better, we're going to get better. But as you've seen, and as any fan has seen, it's just not happening. I don't think the players respect him as a coach, and that's the first thing that has to happen. The players have to want to go out and go to war for the head foot for the for the head football coach, and I don't think the Redskins players are willing to do that for Jay Gruden. And I, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He's not a good head coach. Pretty good coordinator with the Bengals, and he was with several other teams. Was never meant to be a head coach, and I think the Redskins have stuck with him for way too long. They need – the Redskins need to go young at that position. Um, who knows? Uh, you could find the next Sean McVay. It's highly unlikely, you know, but I, I almost think you have to start fresh. You have to just fire everybody, clean the whole front office out, and do what you have to do and make it happen quick because, you know, the Redskins aren't getting any better anytime soon and anytime in the, in the close future. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a tough situation.
0: Yeah. And what, what you said, the Redskins were trying to make a comeback there. Case Keenum, you got to know where the goal line is when you go for it on fourth and one and dive over the pile,
2: yeah, that was eight, bad.
0: Nine times out of ten, you're going to get the ball, jarred loose when you're only holding him with one hand. And credit to the Bears' defense, and they recover that fumble. Ridiculous, man. But that well, that was my that last point on that. Well,
2: and yeah, I, I agree. In that situation, you've the quarterback just has to put his head down and run between the line. You, because going up top like that is a huge risk because exactly what happened to him can happen easily. Um, And I, here's a report today from pro football talk, NBC sports. Uh, Jay Gruden said, I don't know if it was today or yesterday or whatever, that uh, you know, the Wayne that Dwayne Haskins is not too far away. Um,
0: And that shouldn't be the case. Dwayne Haskins, I, I don't think is ready and he needs to sit, wait, watch and learn. So I, I, I mean, if they throw Haskins well, the in, I, I I'm afraid this might turn into another RG3 saga.
2: Well, it, it, it's different. I I think it's it's quite different than than when RG3 was there. Um, but it, it's it's better than what they have now, Josh. I mean, Case Keenum was awful. He was quite awful, and all those interceptions, especially the pick six. I mean, you just. Turning the ball over is bad enough, but when the team scores a touchdown off of it, you just can't have it. You you got to try something else that's not working. So, you know, I I don't think it's crazy for them to try Dwayne Haskins. Now, I I think they should try him in small doses. I don't know if you put him out there immediately, you know, and and just kind of throw him throw throw his feet to the fire. Um, I think that's a bad idea. But 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 we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um,
0: yeah, the I mean the Redskins are just dysfunctional up and down.
2: Oh, there, there's no doubt about it. And and like I said, it's it's uh they've got a clean house. And I I think Dwayne Haskins is going to get a chance sooner or later. But but after that performance by Case Keenum, I think it's in the near future. Maybe maybe with even within the next week or two, we get to see what he can do. And maybe it'll be in a situation where they're getting crushed, and you know that they just bring him in in garbage time and see what he can. See what he can do, which I think wouldn't be a crazy thing, on the, on either side. So,
0: yeah, it's a messed up situation, and um, it's just I don't know, I don't know anymore. But they they just need to clear house. The Redskins just need to it, start over. It's been seen that they cannot rebuild this nope. mess, yep. and they just need to start over. But yeah, I totally agree, man. I, I don't think it's going to happen with our owner unless something more drastic happens. But I'm hoping changes happen soon.
2: Well, I think he's getting pressure to sell the team. I, I don't think he'll ever sell the team. And I know that's going to make you upset. Um, because, you know, he, he he wants to see the Redskins win. He just makes the wrong decisions. He just does. And he's he's never really made the right decisions. I think the best decision he made was when they brought back joe gibbs for those few years and i think the redskins made the playoffs two out of the three years joe gibbs was there and that's the last time they were a, a legitimate playoff team because they made the playoffs a couple times How since definite,
0: then and again, oh my gosh my Alexa just went off
2: in the background
0: i apologize if you hear that <laughs> no She's way alexa talking. interrupting our podcast well, let me let me tell her to be quiet. One sec. All right. Well, what? Dan is doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is right, quality. He up. just We're told good. Alexa to shut up. <laughs> but oh, oh,
3: anyways,
0: I I'm gonna continue here while Dan's fixing with that. The Redskins. I'm here. Hey, Dan, welcome back. Um, hopefully, Alexa Thank wasn't you. too annoying. But um, anyways, the Redskins. It's just a headache for the fans and I yeah, I, I don't know. Dan Snyder, I guarantee you he will not sell the team, but there are changes that need to be changed immediately. And don't know when that will be. Hopefully by the end of this season some changes will come. Um hopefully Jay Gruden doesn't last a lot um end up going through the end of this season. I would just love to see the Redskins not win a single game and uh, get the first overall pick in the draft.
2: Yeah, I, that's what it's looking, looking like right now. It looks like they're going to be, be having a number one overall pick, but it's, it's, it's a mess. And I, I really feel for the Redskins fans that have stuck with them this long. I mean, that's, that's part of being a fan, right? I mean, you're there with them through the good days and, in the bad days. So, uh, yeah, that's, it's just very tough.
0: Yep. So that concludes our week three wrap up of the national football league. We got, um, we're going to take a quick break. We got fantasy football files coming up. Plus my interview with NBC for Washington's Sherry Burris. After that, me and Dan will be right back to wrap um, preview week four of the NFL. You're listening to the Josh Kirby on sports podcast.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to fantasy football files uh, as part of the Josh Kirby podcast. This is Jason Kamlowski writer for dynasty football digest Going to go into some things from Week Three uh, across the NFL. There were definitely some big offensive performances. You know, you had uh, Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes getting together in Kansas City. Daniel Jones stepping in for Eli Manning, putting up a really nice game for the Giants. Uh, Kyle Allen stepping in for Cam Newton. Get um, Keenan Allen with a huge game. You had Mike Evans with a huge game. Um, but what I want to start off with today is the injury to Saquon Barkley, which. Uh, the injury to to Saquon is is definitely uh, you know going to shake up kind of some things with fantasy football because obviously you know in most leagues he was probably a top three pick. You know Barkley with that high ankle sprain, not only could it be out you know four weeks, six weeks, what you know whatever it is, but um, that's an injury that that kind of tends to linger a little bit. Um, you know, and with a guy like Barkley that just depends so much on on you know explosive ability and. Um, you know, being able to, to, you know, get to the next level on his runs. I mean, he, you know, he led the league last year in 20 plus yards of runs. runs. Uh, this could really be an injury that, that kind of, you know, puts a damper on him even down the stretch. Now, you know, depending on who you ask, they might tell you that, you know, it, it's not something they're going to be worried about and, um, you know, this is one of those things where if they manage it the right way, he'd come back and be fine, and that's a hundred percent true. You know, there's a very good possibility if the Giants are are, are slow with him, and um, you know they just they kind of take it easy here, and, and there's a very good chance that he could come back and be perfectly fine. Um, but you know, there's also a chance this thing could linger the rest of the year. So I, I think with Saquon Barkley, I mean, obviously, if you're an owner, you know, you got to be disappointed with the injury, but that's just kind of the risk you take when you when you know you're you're looking at these running backs because. You know, they just take so much punishment each week um, with the way they, you know, with with the way they play. So enter uh, Wayne Gallman, who, you know, he has played before, um, not uh, an explosive back. He's, he's, you know, he only averages about four yards a carry. Uh, he's never topped sixty yards rushing in an NFL game. He does give you um, receptions out of the backfield. He will catch the ball. Um, he's had I think three different games where he's had at least six catches. Problem is he's only uh, he's never topped forty four yards receiving. So I think if if you picked up Wayne Gallman, I think what you're hoping for uh, is one of those situations you know where maybe he can get you anywhere between seventy five and. You know, 90 total yards, hopefully chips in some receptions. Um, You know, and if he can get into the end zone, um, you know, it's just kind of icing on the cake. So, uh, you know, and I think with Daniel Jones, you know, being the quarterback now in New York, you know, the floor for the New York offense in general has got to be a little bit higher. Um, They, right now, the Giants have the second highest team total on the slate behind Kansas City um, for week four. And you know it's it's an NFC East game against Washington, and and usually for me, um, you know I I tend to to tread a little lightly with those NFC East games because sometimes they they just tend to be you know these slugfests that you know don't necessarily always turn into a shootout. Um, I think the range of outcomes this week for Daniel Jones is, are, is probably a little bit wider than than most would think. But, you know, you've got to like that team total because with an implied total of almost 27, I mean, you're talking, you know, at least three touchdowns, but you got to think Jones is going to have a hand in, in probably at least two of them. So, you know, if if Daniel Jones is able to come out, you know, get something going with Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard in the passing game, I mean, you know, you could really be looking at, um, you know, a nice game uh, from Daniel Jones this weekend. I'm sure a lot of people probably picked him up either on fab or waivers, you know, depending on, you know, what your other options are. I mean, I would definitely say that he's either a really high-end QB2 um, or even a low-end QB1. I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to even say that, you know, he's probably startable in all formats this week, um, even in a 10-teamer. Um, you know, and I think you could do worse just because with, with his ability to run the football as well, um, you know, his floor is just a little bit higher than some of these other guys that we might be looking at. Um you know, and there's, there's some guys out there that really just have some, some tough matchups this week. I mean, you know, even Aaron Rodgers playing against Philadelphia, I, you know, I don't know on a Thursday night if that's, you know, a slam dunk start, even though, you know, it's hard to bench a guy like Aaron Rodgers. But, you know, going down through here, you know, you look at some of the teams that, that play. I mean, the Browns have the Ravens. So, you know, obviously Baker Mayfield's not going to have, you know, and he's not really looked that good anyways, but, you know, that's a tough matchup for him. Um, you know, Patriots and the Bills. I actually think that's a sneaky game for the Patriots. I think that's going to be a tough one going um, going into Orchard Park. So, you know, Brady could have a tough time. Um, you got the Texans and the Panthers. I mean, the Texans always play better at home. Deshaun Watson. But, you know, that again, that's a, that's a tough matchup for him. Um, you know the guy that I would probably look at more than anybody this week there to to spot start would obviously be Phillip Rivers going up against that terrible Miami offense or defense. Um, The only kind of thing sneaky about that game is, you know, the Chargers are heading across to the East coast and they're going to play a one o'clock game. So, you know, you always got to watch that, but I definitely think Daniel Jones is startable, you know, across all formats this week. Um, And and it's nice to see that New York, you know, has been willing to kind of go with him because, um, you know, Eli was just was washed. I mean, just absolutely washed. Uh really wasn't getting it done. So, you know, welcome to the league, Daniel Jones. Uh, I've got him in a couple of dynasty leagues. I was very high on him, you know, compared to some others last year coming out of the draft. Uh, you know, I'm not really into taking victory laps or any of that stuff, but, you know, it's good to see, um, good to see some of these young guys being able to come in and do that. Speaking of young guys, Kyle Allen, you know, he also had a nice game last week for the Panthers, stepping in for Cam Newton. Uh, and look, you know, it's obvious that Cam was not right, uh, injury-wise. Uh, you know, he, he just, the first couple of weeks, the Panthers offense, uh, outside of Christian McCaffrey, looked like it was, it was just stuck in neutral. Um, you know, so... He you bring in Kyle Allen, you know, two hundred sixty one yards, uh, four touchdowns, you know, got DJ Moore involved more, which was which was really good to see because you know, DJ Moore was a guy I know a lot of people probably drafted him as, you know, potentially even a wide receiver too this year. Um, you know, and through the first two games, you know, he had he had kind of been disappointing. Um but, you know, Moore had a really, really nice fifty two yard catch and run touchdown. Um last week on a dig route, which, which is kind of his thing, right? Like he, you know, he'll catch, he'll catch passes in space, you know, be able to make something happen. Um, you know, but, you know, the thing about DJ Moore is, um, outside of that catch, um, for, for the touchdown of 52 yards, you know, he only got two targets last week. So, you know, you kind of got to ask yourself with, with some of this stuff, um, you know, is that a product of of Kyle Allen going elsewhere? Um, is that a product of, you know, him being kind of phased out of um, you know, the offense a little bit? I mean, you know, and, and I know, I think the Patriots, or I'm sorry, I think the Panthers are, are probably a little bit underrated in terms of what their weapons are. I mean, the guy that I was kind of drifting towards more this year was was Curtis Samuel. Um, You know, and Samuel racked up seven targets last week and went five for 53 in a touchdown, but um, know, I'm hoping some of these kind of secondary weapons for the Panthers, um, you know, outside of McCaffrey can start to step up and maybe start producing because, you know, I had a lot of faith in this Panthers offense coming into the year. I mean, Cam is probably my highest owned quarterback of anybody, but you know, so far it's just, they've just been such a wasteland, um. Yeah, you know, but they had a lot of explosive plays on Sunday. I mean, Allen only attempted 26 passes, and he threw for the 261 yards. So when we, you know, when we look at this, um, the target leaders, you know, were 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 Samuel and and Greg Olson, and Olson obviously had the two touchdowns. You know, he's the one that had the big day. Um, I, I would like to see DJ Moore get involved more with the offense, like he was the first couple weeks. Um, you know, you you've got to like the explosive touchdown ability he has, um, but. With with Kyle Allen, I do think the offense in Carolina is going to be um, better than it was with Cam the first couple weeks. Um, you know, it's hard to say how long Cam is going to be out, but I, you know, it's it's one of those things. And you know, you kind of look at what they've got, you know, coming up this week. You know, going to Houston. I mean, that's not going to be an easy matchup. I mean, they've got an implied team total right now twenty almost twenty two points. So, you know, not the best team total on the slate for the Panthers. Um, You know, Kyle Allen is probably not a guy I'm going to start this week, even though, you know, depending if you're in QB2, Superflex League, I mean, you may have to start him. Um, You know, I do think I would keep rolling out DJ Moore. Definitely keep rolling out Greg Olson. Seems like Kyle Allen likes to throw to his tight ends. Uh, he threw a lot to Ian Thomas last year in Week 17. Um, you know, and I would definitely keep rolling out Curtis Samuel, too. Curtis Samuel led the league in air yards on uh, Week 2. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, like I said, went 5-for-53 in a touchdown last week. Um, but the guy, really, on the Carolina offense that obviously everybody was going to want is McCaffrey. I mean, he's just insane. Um, arguably the best running back in the NFL right now, um, I mean, and I know Saquon's hurt, but I think I would take McCaffrey over Saquon just because of the things he can do in the passing game. And, you know, again, he's another he didn't really get that involved last week, which I actually think for his long-term prognosis is probably a good thing because, you know, he can't go through another season where he's catching 110 passes and touching the ball as many times as he did last year. But, you know, he broke off that big run, that 76-yard touchdown run, you know, 153 yards rushing last week. Chipped in three for thirty five in the passing game. I mean, just Christian McCaffrey's just, you know, incredible. So um, you know, but as far as, as quarterback play goes, you know, this week you've you've got Matt Ryan back at home, you know, team total almost of twenty five, so you you've got to like that. Um, you know, You've got, like I said, Daniel Jones going up against the Redskins. I actually think Case Keenum could be a decent start going against that Giants defense. Looks like the Giants' pass defense is just as bad as it's ever going to be. So I think you know Case Keenum could be a start there. Um, Philip Rivers going to Miami. Start him with confidence. Uh, you know, Jacoby Brissett. He's been a nice kind of early season story with the uh, retirement of Andrew Luck. You know, I wouldn't mind starting Andrew, um, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Deshaun Watson, always Pat Mahomes, always, always, always Pat Mahomes. Um, you know, and the Lions on the other side of that matchup with the Chiefs, you know, anytime a team's going up against the Chiefs, um, I mean, obviously with the Chiefs being able to score pretty much from anywhere, you know, they, you've got to be able to kind of keep up with that. So Matt Stafford would be another start, um, not interested in Baker Mayfield this week. You know, Lamar Jackson, always interested in him because of the floor, you know, with his rushing ability. Um, Josh Allen, you know, maybe take a flyer on him, depending on what you got. Uh, Jared Goff returns home. They play the Bucks. Jared Goff will probably be my QB1, QB2 on the slate this week. Same thing, Russell Wilson. He's got another nice matchup with the uh, uh, Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, and then I think Dak Prescott going up against the Saints. The Saints tend to give up a lot of uh, – Saints tend to give up rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks. So, you know, Dak could be another one of those guys this week that's that's a really – I mean, he's just been really good the first two weeks of the season. Um, you know, Kellen Moore's kind of been a, a huge godsend to him in that offense. So, um, I, I mean, Dak is another guy that I would definitely start, you know, no questions asked. Um, you know, moving into the running back situation, you know, we already touched on Saquon and, and you know, it just with these injuries, man, you know, you know you're gonna run in into these situations sometimes, and it really sucks because you know Saquon is just such an incredible player, and you just hate to see these guys, especially guys young as him, just get hurt. You know, and and you, you know you don't want him to rush back, but you know as a fantasy owner, you know you, you know you want to see this guy in your lineup, but you know as a fan of the game, I would rather he come back and be healthy um, than try to you know push it and come back too soon because you know I, Saquon's a guy that I want to see in this league for a long time. Um, so honestly, you know, as a Saquon owner, even I, I would say, you know, I'd rather he come back at a hundred percent than come back a moment before that. So, you know, we've already kind of touched on Goldman. I mean, I think if you picked him up, he's fine. You know, he's obviously not going to replace Barkley from a production standpoint, but I think if you picked him up, he's fine. Um, you know, Devonte Freeman looked like he, he had a little bit of a pulse last week. Um, You know, it looks like he might get going. I I don't think the Titans are a great matchup for him this week. But, you know, if you've drafted Devonta Freeman to be, you know, your RB2, then, you know, you've got to keep rolling him out. Um, You know, it looks like the Chargers this week, um, you know, news came out today. I mean, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. uh, News came out today that Melvin Gordon um, will end his holdout and report to Chargers um, practice uh, tomorrow. Now he's not going to play this week, so you know uh, it's going to take him probably at least a week to get in the game shape. Um, but you know Austin Eckler has been kind of like a Alvin Kamara light, if you will. Um, you know he's kind of doing it all for for them right now. Um, which is probably part of the reason why Melvin Gordon is, is wanting to come back because, you know, Eckler's kind of driven down his value kind of in the same way James Conner did last year um, with Le'Veon Bell. You know, Conner came in last year and just really picked up where Bell left off. Um, but, you know, Eckler so far this year has just been uh, probably one of the better running back stories. I mean, I think right now he's like the RB3 overall in fantasy. You know, and and when you go in and and you look at his game logs, you know, he's, I mean, he's had at least six targets in in all three games so far this year. I mean, he's got 19 receptions already. So even if he's not able to, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to give you a hundred yards rushing, but I think even when Melvin Gordon comes back, I mean, Austin Eckler could still get, you know, 10 to 12 touches a game and be a serviceable flex play. And, you know, with where you probably drafted Austin Eckler, you've got to be happy with that. I mean, Austin Eckler was probably not, you know, one of these earlier round guys. I mean, you might have waited until the eighth or ninth round or later to get Austin Eckler. So if, you know, hold him, you know, if you get knocked over with a trade offer for him, I mean, you know, obviously you got to look at it. But, I mean, I think he's a definite hold for me right now. Um, you know, he's a must start this week against a horrendous, um, you know, Dolphins defense. That, you know, again, that's, that's like another course Field situation there. So, you know, Eckler's a must start this week. Um Marlon Mack against the Raiders. Uh, you know, definitely uh, plugging him into my lineups. Um, yeah, the Texans, just please play Duke Johnson. Jeez, a Pete, you know, they keep rolling out Carlos Hyde, which is just the worst. Um, you know, Duke Johnson is just so superior to Carlos Hyde. And I understand that Duke Johnson may not be capable of, you know, handling like 20 or 25 carries, but, you know, just give the ball to Duke Johnson, please. Yeah. Um, you know the Chiefs. It'll be interesting to see what their running back situation looks like. I mean, McCoy looked pretty good last week. Um, you know, Daryl Williams looked good last week. Um, I think you can probably say that Damian Williams' his fantasy stock has taken a huge hit. I mean, he's 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 probably going to be a flex play at best moving forward. Um, the Lions are another one. It's like give Carry On Johnson the ball, please give Carry On Johnson the ball. I mean, he's he's the I think he's a top 10 running back, but it seems like, they, you know, they want to screw around and get Ty Johnson involved. Um, you know, Mark Ingram is another guy with the Ravens, um, a tough matchup this week, but if you have him, you're starting him, uh, you know, because his red zone usage is out of control. And, um, in that offense, he's going to get his touches. So, you know, Mark Ingram, you know, you got to start him. I mean, I, I you know, Flipping to the other side of that, you know, you got to start Nick Chubb. It's not something you want to do, you know. Um, but <laughs> you know, the way you'd probably draft a Nick Chubb, I mean, you're not going to sit Nick Chubb, even though he's going against the Ravens. Um, you know, the Patriots' backfield always hard to figure out what's going on there. James White should be back this week. You know, he was kind of a and active um, right now. Though I would definitely prefer White and Burkhead over Sony Michelle. But I, I would not panic if I was a Sony Michelle owner. This is what tends to happen in New England, and at some point this year, Sonny Michelle is going to pop off and have you know some of those games where he's getting three touchdowns and you know hundred yards rushing, and he's he's going to go on a little tear, and, and you're going to be happy you have him. So I wouldn't panic on him. Um, you know some other teams. I mean, Davin Cook has a ridiculously tough matchup with the Bears this week. You know, but again, you're not sitting him. Um, Chris Carson was super disappointing last week. I mean, I had so much Chris Carson on DraftKings and FanDuel, and it just did not work out, and that's my own fault because I've got, like, this man crush on Chris Carson, and, you know, it just it just hasn't worked out, um, you know, so far this year. I mean, you know, and, and they keep giving him the ball, fortunately, but if he keeps fumbling the way he has, I mean, Rashad Penny's is just going to eat into his carries. Um, you know, Avin Kamara... Huge game last week. Probably shouldn't be surprised. I mean, he was he was kind of like the contrarian running back play in, in, you know, daily fantasy. But, you know, from a season-long perspective, I mean, Kamara's just so good, man. I mean, that guy's just so good. I mean, he, he does it all. Uh, just an absolute find for the Saints in the third round out of Tennessee. I mean, just what a stud. Uh, Zeke rounding into form, and I know Tony Pollard, you know, outperformed him or whatever, and, you know, there are people taking their victory lap on Twitter about, you know, running back doesn't matter, and it probably doesn't, but, I mean, Zeke is going to get 25 carries or 25 touches, not carries, 25 touches or more in games like the one he's going to play this week, so, I mean, I'm, I'm rolling Zeke as much as I can, um... You know, and then the Steelers' backfield, it's, it's a train wreck right now. James Conner is a disaster. Um, you know, he's unusable. Um, you know, this this is probably as good of a matchup, though, as you're going to get against the Bengals on Monday night. So if you're a James Conner owner, I mean, I think, you know, you got to roll him out one more time. I mean, they've, they've got some soft matchups coming up. Um, oh, didn't touch on Mason Rudolph, and I, and I don't want to kind of switch gears too much here. But, you know, Mason Rudolph looked okay on Sunday. Um, he didn't set the world on fire. You know, he did throw the, the touchdown passes, but, you know, it took him a while to get into the groove, but, you know, he kind of comes home on Monday night with, with a pretty cherry matchup. Um, but I mean, the Steelers better figure it out because their, their season is going nowhere fast. You know, Owen three is really not people are accustomed to in Pittsburgh. Um, and, you know, there's, there's starting to be some unrest there. If they lose to the Bengals Monday night, it is going to be uh, it's going to be a disaster in the city of Pittsburgh so that'll be an interesting one to watch just to kind of see what happens there um, you know but running back you know it's just one of those positions and you really got to scour the waiver wire from running back because just you know with the injuries and things that pile up you know these guys you, know, you just got to be able to find their backups and, and see you know who the guys are they're going to produce and and you know if they're going to be capable of things like that. So, um, you know, moving to wide receiver, you know, this week, I mean, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, just massive performances. You know, Keenan Allen is kind of on, like, this tear where he's getting, like, 15, 16, 17 targets a game um, and just absolutely, you know, racking up. You know, I mean, Keenan Allen had one of the best games that you're ever going to see. I mean, 13 catches, 166 yards. Or I'm sorry, 13 catches for 183 yards and the two touchdowns. I mean, just just an insane game, um, just all the way around. I mean, you know, he he doesn't have like the highest A dot in the world, but um, you know, I mean, he's just a guy that just catches everything that's thrown to him. So you know, Keaton Allen, just an absolute stud. Uh, Mike Evans had like the pop off game that I think everybody was expecting at some point to happen. Um, you know, 15 targets. He had he led the league in air yards last week. I mean, it's not it's not surprising. I mean, that you know, he just absolutely abused um, the Giants' secondary. I mean, there they were just. I mean, he was just beating guys off the line of scrimmage and just running wide open down the sideline. I mean, it was just too easy. Uh, you know, I still am a favor of uh, you know Chris Godwin over him for season long. I, I just I think Godwin's a better player. I think I think his route tree is better right now. You know, I mean, Evans kind of just runs straight down the field and you know they they try to get him on these long passes but you know you're gonna have these blow games from mike evans because that's kind of his thing um tyler lockett he's another one you know turned in a, a really really good performance 11 catches 154 yards of course the the seahawks were kind of chasing points the whole day so you know they definitely got him involved you know a lot um brandon cooks another one you know and, and these ram receivers man like You know, Cooper Cup is like their red zone guy. And I said at the beginning of the year that maybe Cooper Cup could catch like 12 touchdown passes. So, you know, he caught the two TDs the other night. But it's hard to pin down which one of these Rams receivers is going to have like a blow-up game. You know, because Cooks will go like 8 for 12 this week and then come back next week and go like 3 for 47 or something like that. You know, and you'll have Robert Woods catch 9 passes for 110 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, it's just, I think it's just, I avoided mostly the Rams for the most part, as far as their pest catchers go, just because I I don't like playing that guessing game. It's kind of like the new England backfield. You just, you know, you know, one of them's going to hit every week. You just don't know which one. I just don't like playing roulette. Um, so if, you know, if if you own Brandon Cooks, you're going to start him, but you know, just, it's just tough to determine whether or not, you know, he's gonna be the one that hits that week or if it's gonna be Cup or it's gonna be Robert Woods. Um. You know, moving down, just looking at some names on, and I'm on, I'm on Airyards.com when I look at a lot of this stuff because Airyards are a big predictor of, of future value too. You know, Sterling Shepard seven for a hundred yards. I mean that that game in Tampa was just bananas. I mean it was just a, it was an absolute offensive explosion, and um, you know the offensive environment when when teams play against Tampa is just crazy. So that's why I say about Daniel Jones, like he couldn't have had a more cherry matchup for his first week. Um, you know, and Shepard had a big game. Ingram had a big game. I mean, it's, it was just the perfect storm for him. And I do think Daniel Jones is going to be really good, but, you know, the matchup couldn't have been better. Um, You know, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, he popped last week 6-for-99 in the touchdown. I, you know, he's another one. I mean, Devontae Adams, if if you can go and, you know, because and the window might be closed after this week because I really think Devontae Adams has a chance to blow up on Thursday night. But if you can go out, and if he doesn't blow up on Thursday night, go to the Devontae Adams owner and see what you can get him for. Because um you know, he's he's not really had like a blow up game yet. And so if you can get him before he has that blow up game, that's what you want to try to do. Now tomorrow night against the Eagles, you know, he may come out and you know, catch eleven balls for two hundred yards and three touchdowns. I mean, that, that's just that's what he's capable of, and the Eagles' defense is certainly not going to stop him from doing that. So, you know, see what he does tomorrow night. But if he doesn't really flash, you know, go to the Adams owner, your know, Friday morning or Saturday, and say, "Hey, look what what's it going to take? You know, what what do you want for him?" Um, you know, but again, when when you look at some of the passing games here and, and some of the matchups, you know, this week, I mean, I like Julio a lot this week. Calvin Calvin Ridley, um, you know, at home too. I mean, I, I think both of them you know, are definitely in play. Terry McLaurin is in play for me, you know. Especially just looking at how bad you know the Giants' defense looked last week. Um, I, you know, Keenan Allen again. Let's go back to the well. You know, Dolphins. Let's go back to the well. Um, all over Keenan Allen this week. Uh, you know, the Raiders' offense. Tyron Williams got kind of a garbage touchdown and it counted, but David Carr had like a bad day. But if you look at just the box score, like it looks like a really good day. So, you know, be wary of the Oakland offense. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just don't like them going in into in Indianapolis. I just think that's a that's a tough matchup, tougher than people think. Um, you know, looks like T. Y. Hilton's banged up. He, you know, he might be out. So, uh, you know, hopefully Paris Campbell. And get it going maybe Dion Kane um you know probably look at some of the tight ends of that game too maybe they get ebron going a little bit more um in Indianapolis you know uh I think this week could be a big will fuller week just you know will fuller just seems like he's ready to pop off at some point it just it looks like he's you know he's just waiting on to have one of those big games he typically has I think this could be a, a good will fuller week you know last last week Arizona against the you know, against the Panthers, they just threw everything underneath. It was just so weird. Like they they didn't even try to go downfield. Um, so I think the Texans will try to stretch the field a little bit with Fuller and maybe get him behind that secondary uh, and maybe soften them up so Top Hopkins can kind of work underneath. Uh, with the Chiefs again, you know, any of those guys could be viable. I mean, Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman, you know, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey. You know, it's just it just depends on. On who's going to get the, the work. You know, I had a lot of walk-ins last week in DFS, and it was just the wrong play. I, I should have, I mean, I looked at Hardman all week, and, and I just couldn't pull the trigger on him, and I should have because, you know, he had the big touchdown catch. But, you know, Mahomes is just awesome. Um, and, you know, Kelsey, again, he's another one that's just, he's just waiting to have, like, one of those big weeks where he catches, like, you know, ten passes for 150 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I, I don't know if this will be the week, but it's always in play. You know, as long as Mahomes is a quarterback, it's always in play. Um, don't care for any of the Browns this week. Uh, you know, that might be a mistake, but I'm going to play the numbers. Don't care for any of the Browns um, against the Ravens. I mean, Baker's been terrible for the most part. I mean, he's been really inconsistent. You know, so I'm not. I'm not a huge, not a huge fan of the matchup either going into Baltimore. Um, you know, Patriots, Pest Catchers, you know, this could be an Edelman week. Um, you know, with James White coming back, that's probably less likely. Uh, always a Josh Gordon fan. I think he's, you know, he's kind of waiting to have one of those breakout games. Uh, you know, the Bills, Pest Catchers, no thank you. Uh, Patriots just seem to scheme guys, you know, away from what they're good at. So no thank you to, the, to any of the Bills, Pest Catchers you know we've kind of touched on some of these other guys i mean like i said I'd go back to i'd go back to chris godwin um lockett i think is going to get more work i mean the the seahawks just traded um, you know nick Finette to the steelers so i would say that lockett has the potential to get more work you know uh, on the cardinal side of things i mean really tough matchup against seattle not really ideal even though you know christian kirk's getting like 12 targets a game um you know and larry fitzgerald's just catching touchdown passes but still just don't love the matchup there um you know cowboys i think amari cooper definitely i mean he has potential for a blow-up game this week seems like the the saints you know struggle against some one-ride receivers so you know definitely looking at amari cooper um and then, you know, for the Steelers, I do think Juju's going to have a big game Monday night. It just seems like that's the type of game that he thrives in, and he kind of likes that stage. Um, you know, we touched a little bit on the tight ends. The only thing I say about tight end is, you know, it's been such a wasteland of a position. You got Kelsey, you got Kittle, you got Ertz. Um, you know, Ertz is just such a tough start on a on a short week, but, you know, you got to roll him out there. But the guy that I'm looking at is probably Will Disley um, for the Seahawks. You know, he's caught a touchdown every game this year. Um, you know, when he's been on the field, he catches touchdown passes. So, you know, at tight end, you know, unless you drafted one of the big three, you know, you're probably playing roulette. If you were lucky enough to get Evan Ingram and, and you kind of took that chance in a draft, I mean, he's been paying good dividends. So, um, you know, keep starting him. I mean, I, you know, he's just because there's nobody else. Um, I think you got to keep rolling him out. And then, you know, Mark Andrews, if he's healthy against the Browns, um, you know, would be a good start for me. Um, but you know, tight end is just, it's one of those things where you've got to hope you stream right and you got to hope you guess right and you got to hope you get it right. So, um, you know, from a fancy perspective this week, you know, the, the game totals are, are fairly low. Um, we don't have very many games with a total North of 46. Um, you know, the way it stands right now, um, it looks like there's maybe three of those games on the slate this week. I'm sorry, four. Four five I mean five games right now with a total higher than forty-six, but a couple of those games like the total is like right at forty-six. Um the highest total of right now it looks like Giants, Redskins, that one's almost at fifty. Um Chiefs lines is at fifty-four, so you can expect some offense there. Um You know, it looks like the Cardinals are always going to be a team where they've they've gotten a high implied total with whoever they're playing, 26. Um, Chargers are tied. Well, no, I'm sorry. The Chiefs have the highest implied total on the slate with almost 31, but the Chargers are second at 30. But, you know, that's more for DFS purposes. Um, You know, I would not make, um, you know, game totals, you know, like the end-all be-all, but it's it's definitely something to factor in. So... um, so that's pretty much the fantasy, uh, the fantasy scoop for week four. Um, just want to, as always, thank Josh for having me on. Um, you know, you like I said, you can catch some of my work on Dynasty Football Digest. Uh, you know, the guys over there and, and IDP Guys dot um, org and and um, the owner slash creator of the sites, um, Nate Cheat on Twitter. He is actually uh, starting a t shirt company where he's starting where he's selling some uh, some fantasy football t shirt. He has a really cool. Uh, uh, Gardner Minishu, uh, t-shirt that he just made. So, you know, check them out at, uh, IDP guys and then dynasty football digest. And, um, you know, look those guys up on Twitter. We've got uh, a lot of, a lot of cool podcasts on there. So you guys can check that out. But you know, again, I just want to thank Josh for having me on, um, hope you guys have a good fantasy week and we will see you, um, for week five and, uh, sometime next week, but best of luck this week, guys. We'll be seeing you. Thanks. The Josh Kirby on Sports podcast, part of the Mayo Please podcast network, is sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure you grab a bag today inside your local Martins, Food Lion, and Giant stores. And our new sponsor and fellow sports fans at PM Plus Reserves, providing reserve studies for homeowner and condominium associations in the Washington metropolitan area for the past 30 years. Make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. You can also find the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, along with the Mayo Please on Twitter. Have any questions for the show? Feel free to shoot us an email at Sports at gmail.com.
0: All right. Thursday, September 19th, I'm Josh Kirby bringing you another segment of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. This one is a very special guest. Once again, I'm getting a lot of those on, but um, from Atlanta coming up to Washington uh, works at NBC4 covering sports for a couple years. I'm not sure how many years, but she's been there a while, and she's doing a great job. Yes, it's Sherry Burris. Sherry, thanks so much for calling in today. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. Yes, ma'am. Let's get right into this. Uh, well, well, I got to know how you got started um, in your career as a sports reporter and how you got to NBC4. Yeah,
3: it's funny. I, uh, growing up would watch the Today Show all the time. And I just t- turned to my mom. I was like, Mom, I want to be like Katie Couric. I thought I would want to do morning news. Um, I found out I'm not a morning person. So scratch that off the list. Um, and news is just, you know, sometimes really depressing and sad and bad news. So I always loved sports, did sports. My family's involved in sports. So it was kind of a natural transition. To want to do sports broadcasting, um, went to the University of Wisconsin in Madison, majoring in uh, the PR, stratcom side, as well as reporting, um, and just fell in love with being on camera, and knew that's what I wanted to do. So I got my first TV job in Columbia, Missouri, um, at a TV station there. Ironically, doing news first, told the sports the the news director I wanted to do more sports couple months later, got to move to the sports department, um, was there for about three years in Columbia. Um, From there, I was lucky enough to jump all the way to Atlanta, Georgia, where I was there for almost two years. Um, My main focus was the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, Love me some Athens, man. If you haven't been, I highly recommend it. And then from there, I came here to Washington, D.C., and it's been about two and a half years um, absolutely love DC. The people are wonderful. The sports teams are great to cover um, a lot of good, good athletes in town and have met a lot of really awesome people. So here I am at WRC and, you know, small world, Katie Couric used to work here. Um, so life just sometimes just comes full circle at you.
0: Yeah. Um, very great stuff there. And as you know, she is on news Four, NBC Four, Washington. You can catch her doing the news on there along with, um, Appearances on field, but we'll get into that later. So, um, tell us a little bit um about NBC Four, how you like it down there, and um, basically give the listeners a behind the scenes look at what you do on a day by day basis.
3: Yeah. So when it's um an anchor day, or I guess when I'm in studio, um, I come in and it's it's cool. They have all the anchors' pictures on the walls. Um, One side is the NBC Four local side. The other side is the network anchor so i walk in um they still have jim vance's photo on the wall he's the first one so i make sure to say hi to jim every day when i come into the studio or into the station Um, and i walk in we go to the sports office i have two wonderful producers i work with um and we you know sort of sift through what's happening in the day the biggest storylines Um, And then I go in and get my makeup done. We have a wonderful makeup artist, Nikki Lemon, and um, she makes sure we're all looking good. Go back to the sports office, um, write scripts, you know, keep track of news on social media. Um, And then we do sports at 6.50. And then I come home for dinner, watch the games that are on, whether that's baseball, uh, basketball, hockey. Um, and then go back after dinner, we do the 11 o'clock news and I come home is I guess a normal anchor day, but things are way more hectic as you can imagine when it comes to like covering a Redskins Sunday or like a Caps playoff game.
0: Yes. Please go into what, what the differences between an anchor day is and covering a Redskins or a Caps game, something like that. What, what differs throughout the day?
3: Yeah, so the biggest difference is we don't go in studio at all for those days. It's all pre-planned before we get there. Um, for a Redskins game, like a 1 o'clock kickoff, I try to get to the stadium at 11 a.m. gives me time to put my bag down, get my laptop out. Um, I like to make sure I'm, like, roaming the sidelines to see the players, any other media. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, get a feel for the game before it starts. Um, And then once the game actually kicks off, I make sure I take notes of everything that's happening. Um, so after the game, my photographer and I, we have great photographers as well. I know I gave a shout out to our producers. Um, we work with three photographers, sometimes three, two or three photographers on a game day um, that shoots the game. Afterwards, we go in the locker room, um, ask questions about, you know, the biggest storylines. And then we sift back through all of it and pick out our top storylines and turn a three-minute package, as it's called, um, a three-minute story on the biggest storylines for our Redskins final show. So it's, it's pretty crazy running around. I probably end around 7.30 or 8. Uh, so it's kind of a longer day for football. When it comes to cap, it is a much longer, busier day, but you're just running nonstop. Uh, we go to morning state, go back uh, after that, doing some interviews. Then um, I go have lunch. I get ready. We do live shots at four, five, and six. Then we do the game. Then post-game, we go in the locker room. And then within a matter of minutes, we are on the bench doing a live shot at the top of news four at 11. Um, and then we still have to do another story for the morning show to make sure that those folks get content and know what's happening in the world. So those are like 10 a.m. to about midnight days for Caps playoffs. Um, But I wouldn't trade it for the world. It is amazing. Um, It is adrenaline-filled. I drink at least two cups of coffee. It's a blast, uh, particularly when they win. So they're good days. They're just very long days.
0: Yeah, I I I can't believe you do that much. You know, you, we only see so much behind a camera, but you're doing so much to produce that content. And for the viewers who do, don't know, I actually met Sherry at a morning skate. She took the time after um, talking with Joe Beninati, um, the voice of the Washington Capitals, and we talked for a solid 30 minutes. And I was like, man, this girl would be great on my podcast and now I have you on my podcast.
3: I'm so thankful to be here, Josh. I'm so glad we were able to connect.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. So, um m- moving right along, um well, we got a little bit look at a look at what you do, but le- let's go into some sports news if you will because that's why we're here. This is a sports podcast. So, um what what are your thoughts uh, from a media standpoint um over the past couple of weeks um of the Redskins starting off 0 and 2 with losses to the Eagles and the Cowboys they're playing the Bears on Monday night then they play the no the Giants then the Patriots week 5 so um give, give us a rundown Sherry what was it like covering training camp what was the mood for training camp and going out into the first two games um, of the season for this Redskins team?
3: Training camp was awesome. It was very hot in Richmond, but getting to know all the players, uh, the rookies, some of the new guys like Landon Collins, um, Dominique Rogers-Comarty, even John Bostic. I mean, there's a lot, Case Keenum. uh, You know, there's a lot of new faces along with some of those other guys that we're used to seeing, so that was really cool to get to know all of them. And as you could imagine, in Richmond, it was optimism. I mean, everyone was feeling good, feeling confident. Um, You know, there obviously was a lot of debate if it should be Colt McCoy or Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, their, you know, rookie pick. Um, So that was, you know, keeping us on our toes, Jay, not letting us know till week three of preseason that it would be Case Keenum, particularly that Colt McCoy is still coming back from injury. Um, So at least that settled that one, but that was, you know, as we now know, just kind of the tip of the uh, drama iceberg. Now that Trent Williams is still not here, which was obviously a brewing storyline and still is. And I, I think when we looked at the schedule, when it first came out, we all thought, wow, that's a really tough, you know, chunk of games right off the top. I mean, Philly is not an easy place to play Dallas at home is their biggest rival. So there's a lot of juice in that game. And that's just week two. Then you have this primetime Monday game where the Redskins won in eight on Mondays since 2014. So like yowza, Um, that's not good. Then another division opponent in the Eagles, or excuse me, the Giants. Um, And then obviously, you know, the mega squad of the Patriots, like that is asking a lot of your squad right out the gate. So we knew it was going to be tough. I think they knew it was going to be tough. And I think the the hardest part about this, this, the frustration is that the Redskins come out first and they score first in those first two games. And they kind of build you up a little bit. You're like, all right, yeah, like they can hang. This is going to be okay. And then halftime comes along and then you kind of hold your breath and you just feel the wind out of your sails because, the other team gets back in it and then they've lost those first two. So I don't know what needs to happen Monday against uh, the bears to make sure that that does not happen again. Uh, Cause the bears have a pretty good defense also. Um, so the Redskins certainly have their word cut out for them. But as I said, it first half we've seen they can do it. They can do good things. It's just a matter of replicating that first half in the second
0: that that you put that perfectly i mean i i don't understand either either you know i i'm just a guy who covers sports in his free time i still can't get it and uh their monday night record is pretty bad so i'm hoping that will change but it's tough but um It's still great um, covering this, but um, great stuff on that. So if you don't mind, I'm going to backtrack a little back to training camp. So um, was it different for you in training camp since you had to cover the team with NBC4 plus do sideline appearances during their preseason games? It just was more hectic.
3: Um, that first game at Cleveland, I felt like a duck on a pond that I hope it looked all calm and smooth, but under the water, oh, man, my feet were churning. I was just like, Woo! <laughs> Um, you know, having to do live shots at four, five, six, and then immediately going to the Redskins broadcast um, at seven, then, you know, having to do a live post-game show from 10.30 to about 11.00 somewhere in that window to then do the 11 o'clock news. I was not mentally prepared for how much that was going to be. I had to get all my, you know, ducks in a row. Um, It was hectic, but I, you know, I think it helped me sidelining and getting to know the players in this team more by sidelining, helping in the post game shows. Um, So I'm thankful for that. But eventually I was able to get my workflow um, it, I, eventually it got pretty seamless and pretty smooth. So that was fine. But no, I mean, it was really, I think it actually helped me sidelining, get to know these guys better and this team better. Cause I was then, you know, that became more of my job that I need to know this team inside and out rookies. That's the whole thing, not just the main storyline. I would say that I, I had in the, I knew in the past, not being down on the sideline.
0: Yeah, that that's really great. And I remember you mentioning you um host uh the Redskins um final show. I believe that's what you said it was called. Is that an in studio thing after the game, or uh, how do you do that?
3: Yeah, so Redskins final is after News Four at eleven on Sundays, or I guess News Four after the game on Sunday Night Football. Um, so it's a thirty minute show. Um, I typically just do the pre-recorded stories for that because we're at the games on Sundays. Uh, But this coming Sunday, since it's a Monday night game, I'll be in studio. We do all the highlights. Um, It'll be a little different because we will not have the Redskins in it. But, you know, looking ahead to that Redskins Monday game, um, still doing one-on-one interviews, we'll still be in there. So, yeah, that's an in-studio show uh, that Dave Johnson or Carrie Chow will host if um, I'm at a game but it kind of just puts a bow on your Sunday after Sunday night football giving you the storylines for Redskins and just kind of see what happened around the league um, on a Sunday night.
0: Hey, uh, By the way that is my man Dave Johnson I can't thank him enough for all that support he's given me on this podcast he's a really great man (laughs) so uh, he's the
3: hardest working man in D.C. I think.
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like four four jobs, D.C. United, Washington Wizards, WTOP, in News 4. That's hard work. It he, is. He does really an excellent good. job. <laughs> yeah, so m- moving right along, uh, going back to this Trent Williams situation, I saw the one-on- one-on-one interview you had with uh, Redskins president um, Bruce Allen. Um, what were your takeaways about that, um, what he said about, trent williams
3: it was his confidence that trent would be back as a redskin um i think you know there's a lot of speculation that trent will not come back per you know other reports um that have been floating around now for a couple weeks couple months that he's allegedly upset with the medical staff and the contract situation so when asking bruce you know he said yeah trent's gonna play football again and my mind immediately went oh like Are you addressing, you know, maybe trade rumors? Um, But I asked him, and he said no, as a Washington Redskin. And, you know, obviously you got to take all these other reports with a grain of salt because we haven't heard from Trent. But I thought it was interesting how confident Bruce was in thinking he'd suit up in the burgundy and gold again.
0: That's a very great point. And still no word from Trent Williams, am I correct? Correct. We've only... um,
3: Seen some posts on social media, um, a private jet for his birthday a couple months ago, and then also um, another picture of him and some friends outside of the private plane um, with some mountains in the background. No geotag, we have no idea where he is. But based off of the few little nuggets he's given us on social media. He seems to be doing okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, he seems to be doing okay, but he's getting fine for like every game he's missed or something. So, <laughs> yeah, he's missing out
3: on a lot of money. So, I'm sure uh, that might play a factor at some point this season.
0: I don't know. So, um, uh, h- how do you like the up and comings for the Washington Redskins in, um Terry McLaren and um, Cole Holcomb on the defensive side of the football? Two guys I think they have a lot of future with the team. What have you seen out of those two guys that um, during Rutskins camp in the first two games?
3: Starting with Terry, it kind of breaks my heart that he's an Ohio state alum. Uh, He's a Buckeye being a uh, badger here, but I like him so much. He is such a great guy. Um, Always a delight to talk to very insightful, um, great player. We see he has good hands. I was, eager to see him in the regular season because he didn't get many reps in the preseason, which then also sort of tells you how crucial he was. Um, I think for Jay to not, you know, put him in harm's way in any capacity, almost kind of not even want to like tip off the other teams. What a gem he could be. Obviously those two touchdowns in the first two games is a testament to his skill. So I really enjoy Terry. I think you know, the sky's the limit for him. Vernon Davis this summer was saying that he even has this, like, aura of a vet. Like, he's been around for a while. You know, he was picking the brains of Vernon Davis, uh, DRC, on just how to play this game for a long time, which as a rookie just goes to show where his mind is at already. Um, so Redskin fans embrace him, love him. He's going to be around for a while, hopefully, because um, he could really do great things. And then for Cole Holcomb, Total Bookworm. Um, you know, Jay discovered him actually at a UNC watching tape and went to the defense and was like, Hey, you need to look at this guy. because um, 'cause I'm sure if you I don't know if you can name a couple guys from defense, um, from UNC off the top of your head, they're kind of far and few between. You know, you think of like SEC and Alabama. So For Cole to kind of, you know, be a draft pick from UNC on that side of the ball says a lot that he caught Jay's attention. Um, He told me, you know, studying is going to be his biggest strength. And if you look at, you know, these other games, these first two, you, you look at the game log and Cole Holcomb is, you know, making tackles and in on those big plays. And I think he really shows a lot of promise. And this defense, there's sort of this mentality that like, if you don't play hard, you can't sit with us. Like if you're not playing to 150% every day, you're not going to play. So you have to bring your A game and to be a rookie and being able to be embraced and be used as he is that right there says a lot about him.
0: Indeed. That that was a great overlook on Terry McLaren and Cole Holcomb. Um, uh, What are your thoughts now on Case Keenum being the starter over um, Colt McCoy and Dwayne Haskins this season?
3: So I believe that it is with the best interest to not start Dwayne Haskins. I think, I guess the best way I kind of feel about it is that we have this society of like instant gratification. You know, you scroll on Twitter and your news is immediately there. You know, um, you draft a quarterback 15th overall and you immediately want to play with your new shiny toy. No, 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 no. (laughs) Put him (laughs) on the shelf. Let him gain some value. Let him learn. Do not play Dwayne Haskins yet. Um, It is so unfortunate that Colt is still coming back from this injury because it pretty much was his job to have, except he's still coming back from this this leg injury. So my heart goes to Colt um, that he's not the starter. But I feel like even from training camp, it just seemed like Case, was going. My, I thought it was going to be Case from the beginning. He has the most experience as a starter. I mean, Cole's been in the system longer. The Case has been a longer starting quarterback, so he has those reps. He was one game away from the Super Bowl. I mean, I still get goosebumps when I think of him doing that skull clap in Minnesota, and the camera just pulls out, and the entire arena's doing it. I mean, he has this great or about him when I would see him with his teammates, you know, the running backs coming over, high-fiving every single guy. Um, he has it. It's just a matter of now needing to piece this thing together. Um, you know, we just had media availability with Case yesterday, and you could sort of sense there's kind of this budding frustration that he's having to answer the same questions of like, oh, and Q, are you freaking out? What about the run game? What about the pass game? I think he is just ready – to go out there and finally win a game as a Redskins. Stop answering all these questions of, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, not winning a game. So I think things will get easier for him once they kind of crack this code and win a game, and then they can keep building off of that.
0: Yeah. Um. So that that's about all I have for the Redskins, unless you have any last thoughts before we move on to the next team.
3: No, I mean, I think we covered most of it. It's just, I'm sure I don't need to tell Redskins fans, but it's a work in progress this season.
0: <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So um, m- moving on from the Redskins, once again, Sherry, thank you so much for all your in-depth analysis on that. We're going to move on to the Capitals. And Sherry, if I'm correct, you were at that Caps game last night, probably one of the best preseason games I've ever seen. Nicholas Backstrom just lobs it to the goal and it goes in from center ice. I'm like, are you crazy? Like these first two preseason games have been very close for preseason. And the, like the ending to that, I mean, it's like, wow, he actually did that in the second preseason game.
3: Yeah. Like I was, you know, sitting there with my husband and he's a St. Louis blues fan. So he was, you know, bummed that they even tied the game. Uh, the Caps tied the game, but I was like, "All right, well, here we go, overtime in preseason again." Um, and then, you know, I turn and look, and back he finds the back of the net, and I was like, "All right, guess we're going home. Uh, way to step up, Nikki." So <laughs> they they looked good, and I mean, as you said, it this was a uh, a mega lineup between you know the teams that kick off uh, the NHL season, the two reigning Stanley Cup champions. You can't really get much better than that. Uh, Biddington was out there, Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, Alex Ovechkin playing in his first preseason game. So once I saw the lineups, um, and my husband, as I said, being from St. Louis, I was like, hey, we should probably go to this game. This is, uh, probably as close as, you know, we can get to real hockey before October 2nd.
0: Well, um, yeah, before we get into more of the Capitals, that, that was great stuff, but, um, I, I have to get this straight. Are are you a Caps fan or a Blues fan? Because it has been seen on your Instagram, you wearing a St. Louis Blues shirt when they won the Stanley Cup.
3: Correct. So, um, you know, love makes you do crazy things. So (laughs) I, my, I, you know, obviously being a media member, I don't. When I'm working, root for a team. Obviously, it makes my job much easier when they win and more enjoyable. Uh, but covering these guys as long as I have, I've really grown to love hockey thanks to the Caps. So, you know, I, you know, enjoy when they win. Um, if I'm not working, I do root for the Caps. Um, but since the Caps were out last year and Via marriage, I, you know, happy spouse, happy house is what I'm reminded. Um, you know, I was I was rooting for the Blues to win the Cup last year, as I think everyone except Boston fans were. Um, <laughs> and I thought, I, you know, I think I saw a lot of similarities in the Blues winning the Cup last year. And then one of the Caps won the Cup the year prior. So if it's not Caps Blues, I will root for Caps as a fan. I will root for Blues as a fan. But it, you know, I try to stay neutral if it's caps and blues because I don't want to upset anybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, so we we got that out of the air, and I, I'm sure your <laughs> I'm sure your husband was very happy when you had that uh, Twitter post of you watching the Caps game uh, during your wedding, and they actually won during that Stanley Cup run.
3: Yes, he um, was more surprised. I think that I was, you know, so into it since he's the more diehard uh, hockey fan. But, you know, it's such a small world. You know, we got to cover the Caps winning the Cup when we got married. Um, And then this past year, our one-year anniversary, my present to him was a one-way ticket to St. Louis. So he could be in St. Louis as long as it took for him to watch them win the Cup, which, in turn, they did. So I don't know what we're going to do for our second anniversary, Um, (laughs) It's kind of hard to top two Stanley
0: Cups in two years. Well, that's pretty crazy. So uh, enough with that. Let's actually get into the sports talk. Let's start with Caps Media Day. Yeah, I, I know you were there. What was the atmosphere from the players and coaches after last year getting exited in the first round by the Carolina Hurricanes?
3: They are antsy to get back out there and try this again. Uh, You know, I I compare it to, like, baking cookies. Um, You know, I think when they won the cup, they found the recipe for success. You know, they made the perfect chocolate chip cookie. Then this past year, you know, they still had that recipe, but they realized they were missing some ingredients. Um, You know, oh, he's getting hurt, breaking his collarbone against Carolina. Um, They didn't have Michael Kempney because he was already hurt. You know, they were just missing – a few things. Um, they weren't getting the same kind of bounces that they did. It's, you know, winning in hockey, as much skill as it takes, it also takes some luck and some favor, you know? So it was just, it just didn't work this year. So from their locker cleanout, it didn't feel the same as years prior when they didn't win it. You know, obviously they were upset, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, like, again, we couldn't do it. It was a much more positive, Hey, you know what? We couldn't get it done this year. That's, you know, this is it. We're going to take this and move it forward. So fast forward to media day. It's like, okay, you know, summer was way too long. Let's get out there. Let's do this thing. Oh, he's feeling great. Uh, we've seen company out there, uh, at, you know, preseason skates and training camp. Um, and they have, you know, the guys all back, so it's like, let's go, let's do this thing. Like, I want to get out there and play hockey. Um, so I am very eager to see how this kind of all comes together.
0: Yeah, and, um, I mean, you you talked about hockey was a game of, like, um, some – like, I, I forget exactly what you said. You said it a couple moments ago, but you said hockey was a game of luck and skill, sort of, like – like change. Yeah. Yeah, talk about that Game 7 um, – a game-winning goal by Justin Williams. That was a lot of that.
3: Oh, my goodness. I was pacing back and forth. It's like you're just waiting for that breaking moment almost, just like you hold your breath through each overtime. And then it's almost just seeming like the Caps were just so gassed in that moment. And, you know, it was just kind of a weird bouncing puck that got past Holtz, and you just felt the whole place just like, ugh that Game 7, bad luck again for the Caps at home, you know, been there, done that. It was that kind of moment. Um, And it was kind of unbelievable that, you know, coming off the Cup, that it would even go to 7 against Carolina. But, you know, all those top teams kind of got eliminated early. Like, who would have guessed Tampa Bay would get swept in the first round? I mean, that was insane. And Pittsburgh – No one could have predicted that. So this was just kind of the year of the underdog this past season. It's, you know, that's why you play the game though. You never know who's going to win. If you go in each game saying, oh, the favorite team, the team that should win wins. Well, there's no fun in that. Um, So that's just kind of what that was. And I mean, good for Justin, um, you know, that he really was able to take that Carolina team and turn it into something. Um, He's taking the first half of the season off. He's taking a little break, which, you know, we did a media skate. The Caps held a media skate. And let me tell you, those guys make it look so easy. It is not. I don't know if anyone out there has tried hockey. I highly recommend it because it gives you a whole new perspective on how hard it is to skate, to uh get back i mean it's totally they make it look way too easy so kudos to those guys uh they they make it they're so graceful um but you know it's it's a hard game and it takes a lot to win hockey games particularly at this level everyone is really good
0: yeah, that that was my next question. Your media day skate. Um I, I heard you actually had some sort of goal there. They put some tape on the side of the puck and gave you your first ever goal. How how did that feel?
3: Well, I didn't even know I scored, to be honest with you. <laughs> I thought I had an assist, so like I was over the moon to like be involved in a goal. Um, but it just kind of was a bouncing puck, went right past the goalie and Um, Yeah, I scored. Um, It was pretty cool. Like I said, it is hard. Um, It is not easy. So that was pretty cool. So I have we have a lot of built-ins in our apartment. So I have like a whole little cubby of Caps Championship stuff, and uh, my my first goal puck is sitting right above it.
0: Yeah, so, um, well, you didn't have to drop the gloves or anything, no fights or anything during that media. No, uh, no, ski, I right. was
3: not uh, looking like Tom Wilson or Alex Ovechkin out there <laughs> dropping the gloves, trying to get into anything.
0: Oh, yeah, A- Alex Ovechkin, you don't want to mess with him. So, um. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yeah. Any, um, excuse me, any predictions for the season for the Capitals this upcoming regular season? Um. Uh, what what are your thoughts on how they will do?
3: I'm anticipating another, at least first, second-round playoff appearance. Um, obviously, we know with Barry Trotz now in New York, he's done amazing things with that team. So the division is, you know, going to be difficult. Again, this year, particularly a second year under Trotz, but the Islanders are going to be buying in even more. So I expect the Metro to still be really deep. Um, but I mean it's it's a long season. Um, there's gonna be some ups, there's gonna be some downs. Do not hit the panic button. Um, hopefully, you know, there'll be there'll be some moments where, you know, we can look back in April, May and be like, Oh, remember that blank um and be able to laugh things off. So that's you know, if I learned anything from this team, from this game, um, you gotta kinda take each one with a grain of salt and not, you know, be too invested in each game because it's a long season. And as we saw and cap fans know, you can be the best team in the league and be sitting at home watching the second round, third round. So kind of just buckle up, sit down, relax and enjoy the ride.
0: Yes, indeed. You just got to enjoy the ride. Like you said, and you never know. So um, that's, hockey and the capitals for you um moving right along i want to talk some washington nationals they're fighting their way for a wild card spot i'm not sure if you have covered um much of the nationals this year sherry but if you have um tell us a little bit about what that was like and how the team is doing so far pushing for this wild card spot
3: we've been to a couple nas games um It's crazy if you think back to May, April, May, I was like, no way are we having postseason baseball in DC. And then they became the best team in baseball over the summer. This surge, which if you go in the clubhouse, it seemed to change when Gerardo Parra came in. He just completely changed the culture in that room. I mean, they're dancing in the club. Could you imagine if I told you back in April, Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasberg are going to dance in the dugout. No way would I have thought that. So the fact that he's been able to, like, have them in, inspire the, the team to be more themselves and to play with, they're like have, genuinely having fun doing this. Um, it's totally made a change. If anyone has been to a home nap game when Para is up and Baby Shark plays, it is in. I've never seen anything like it to have that many humans do the the baby shark thing. It is a sight to behold. Um, It is fantastic. And I think that that surge that he's brought in is what sort of propelled them to this moment. Now they've they've stumbled a bit that I think at one point they had a
0: five
3: five-game lead in the wild-card standings. Now it's down to about a game, game and a half. I I need to double-check if the Cubs won last 1. night.
0: I think 1.5 going into the day as we are recording okay. this podcast.
3: Yeah, so, you know, it's dwindled down, but on the flip side, it's kind of like the Caps. The, the Nats have been the best team in the NL East for how many years previously, and then they can't win because they kind of coasted the last couple weeks of baseball. So... Maybe there's a little something to be said if they're going through adversity now, they're learning how to come back in games, play in close games. This could be, you know, really good preparation for a play in wild card game or, you know, a best of, you know, a best of five series when you know you need to really kind of put your nose down, put your head down, nose to the grind and play this thing out. So we'll have to see. Um, but it's it's been a wild ride with the Nats. I think that can be said for every D.C. sports team, that it's always a wild ride. <laughs> but we're going to, you know, I think this team, if they can hang on these last two weeks, I'm very eager to see what this wild card game can do. Because I know these fans really are are hungry for, for a postseason uh, for October for baseball for the Nats.
0: Yeah, most definitely. It has been a wild ride for the Nationals, and I'm looking forward to seeing how D.C. will react to them getting that wild card spot. Uh, But the wild card game, as you know, a one-game playoff, that will be a nail-biter.
3: Yes. I mean, I remember that game five here a couple years ago, and, you know, just the energy was incredible. Um, So I know last time you were in the the clubhouse, they were – saying like fans please like we need you we know what it's like when we play on the road and we want to be able to make it a hard atmosphere at national park so come come be loud um those guys also are hungry for for support just as much as the fans are for them to do well
0: and last but not least we have the washington wizards who really struggled this season got a new gm and well i i heard a very interesting stat they had 25 different players in and out of that locker room last season not sure how much you've covered the washington wizards sherry but um with their new draft pick in roy um what what are your thoughts on the season to come for the washington wizards
3: i don't want to call it a rebuilding year um but i would say again just kind of be patient with them. As you said, at new GM, um, I don't think I even realized it was that much of a revolving door um, to their uh, locker room with how many players they had. Uh, but with John still out, you know, this team isn't going to look the same. Obviously Bradley Beale is playing at an elite all-star level and it's been really fun to see him come into his own and kind of just take this team and make it his. Um, but I'd say also with Rui uh, Hashimura, he's been incredible um, to work with at least early on. It's funny. I was watching uh, NCAA tournament and I saw a story on him and my husband and I looked at each other. and we were like, wow, if this kid really can play at the next level, he'd be great for DC. Um, just, you know, the fact that he's international and DC is such an international city. And if he really can play, I think the fans will really embrace him. Um, but he is, so nice. Um, so gracious. He's the coaches rave about him that he's very coachable. Like, you know, he asks questions on how to, you know, get better and further explain things if he doesn't understand. So the fact that they have someone coming in that really does want to be here, be coached up, get better is exactly what this team I think needs because they are going to be so young. Um, and then Isaiah Thomas, I was so excited to have him come in. Um, I remember his game against the Wizards when his sister passed away in that car accident, and he just went off. Um, emotional game for him. I know he's been a, a thorn in a lot of team sides over the past couple of years when he was still really elite. So I was excited for him to come in, and then we just find out that he's had some surgery. Um, so he's going to be out a couple weeks, so that's kind of a bummer. But I think if this team can gel, maybe by like, you know, November, December, they can really take shape. But as we saw, the East is pretty difficult. So um, I'm not so sure I'm sold on playoffs for the Wizards this year, but I think there's going to be some, some good, bright moments with some of these guys on the roster currently.
0: Yeah, Isaiah Thomas out six to eight weeks with thumb surgery. So um that's pretty tough with the thumb, but you needed to play basketball. So yeah. Um I I think that's it. Um we covered all four teams, unless you have any other teams you'd like to talk to our listeners about that you cover.
3: Um, Mystics.
0: Yes, the
3: Minnesota MVP.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You you know nobody covers the Washington Mystics. Heck, I don't even know what channel they play on. I and I am sorry for that. But if I watched more games, I'd cover them. Apparently, they are grinding away. They're in the playoffs. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But yes.
3: As of today, today's game two of uh, their series with the Aces. So they won the first one. Um, it was a close game. So they've been doing really well. Alina um, Deladon, Christy Tolliver, Emma Mieseman, um these girls are, are the real deal. They're trying to get back to the WNBA Finals. And, I mean, again, it, it's been a grind against the Aces, but they're looking good.
0: Yeah, which they were actually in last year the finals, but lost. So, um, with a knee injury from EDD, if I'm correct, I I yeah, haven't sure. watched that much, but I have followed on Twitter. Um, but definitely a team you got to look out for is the Washington Mystics. And funny story, Christy Tolliver actually coaches for the Washington Wizards in the off season.
3: She does. Yeah, she. Um, you see her on the bench there uh, during games. So it's great that you know, you can have a player also, you know, in the WNBA, excuse me, get involved with the NBA. So I enjoy seeing her working with those guys.
0: Yeah, so um, best of luck to the Washington Mystics, but I I think we've covered it all, Sherry. Um, And unfortunately, that's about the end of our segment. So um, any last words for our fans or viewers, Sherry?
3: No, I just want to say, you uh, know, thanks for watching. Thanks for having me on. It's been incredible being here as long as we have already, and we're looking forward uh, to the fall and seeing what you know these teams can do.
0: Yes, I I do appreciate that, and I, I'm very glad that you were able to come on the show. As our listeners have heard earlier, I did meet Sherry um at a pregame skate, and once again met her um at another. Morning skate before game one of the Stanley Cup final. And we, a funny story with that, we actually, she actually came out. I got a selfie with her right as Ovechkin was walking out. So that was really crazy. I saw Ovechkin and I saw one of my favorite sports reporters that day as well.
3: You think maybe we could have gotten Ove in the selfie with her?
0: <laughs> I I wish he did too, but you know, but anyways, that wraps up our segment. Sherry, thanks so much for coming on the Josh Kirby on sports podcast. You're always welcome on whenever you want. And that wraps it up. Um, Sherry, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Josh. All right, Josh Kirby and Dan Dembski back with you. Thanks to Sherry Burris for calling in to the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast once again. It was really great having an interview with her, and I really hope you all enjoyed that segment. And thanks again to Jason Kamlowski for another edition of Fantasy Football Files. Dan, wrapping up. The podcast with a week four NFL preview starting on Thursday night. The Philadelphia Eagles go into Green Bay, that's going to be a really tough matchup there. Then, one o'clock, Washington um, faces another d- division opponent against the New York Giants. Um, at one o'clock, Tennessee plays Atlanta. Cleveland and Baltimore, that's a game you talked about, Dan, and a game I think Buffalo could give New England a run for their money this week. Um, They are in Buffalo. Then Kansas City playing Detroit, Carolina playing Houston, Oakland playing Indianapolis, Los Angeles Chargers against the Miami Dolphins going into the 4 5 game, Seattle playing Arizona, Tampa Bay playing the Los Angeles Rams, the 425 slot games, Minnesota playing Chicago, Jacksonville playing Denver, and the Sunday night game, Dallas playing New Orleans. Uh, That might be a tough matchup with Teddy Bridgewater. And Monday night, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh with the San Francisco 49ers and the New York Jets with bye weeks. Um, Week four, Dan, any predictions before we... And the podcast?
2: Any predictions? Oh, man. You went through them so quick. That was a blazing speed, Josh. Um, <laughs> uh, I I do think the Giants can beat the Redskins. Uh, I think that's a game that's very
0: feasible. <laughs> you think? You think? You never know, man. Division games are weird. 98.9% that the Giants win. Oh, that doesn't
2: mean anything. That doesn't, those percentages are weird or stupid. Um, Steelers and Bengals, that's a pretty intriguing game. I, I probably see the Steelers coming on top of that, coming up on top of that one. Uh, I think Mason Rudolph plays well in that game. And I guess I'll make a prediction for our game. I i think we can take the Browns since we're at home. And they really have not played well so far this year on offense. We've got a pretty good shot to win that football game. So that's all I have, really. and. Uh, I've talked a lot tonight, and uh, you've been listening to me and been been very patient, so you're the man.
0: Yeah, um, I think Buffalo gives New England a run for their money. I'm not going to say they're going to win, but they give New England a run. I feel like New Orleans, if they're playing at home, gives Dallas a run with Teddy Bridgewater, and yeah. – uh, Cincinnati, I I think they get their first win over Pittsburgh. It's going to be a sloppy division game, but I think Cincinnati gets their first win. So that's oh, sort like of that. okay. that's sort of my predictions there. But week four, I can't wait. You probably can't either. And that wraps up the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. Dan, thanks once again for coming on the show. Any last words for our listeners?
2: Thanks again for having me, Josh, and.
0: Stay thirsty, my friends. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely, Dan. Thank you, and once again, good, ju- a good, congratulations, and good luck on your gig with ESPN Blacksburg. So that wraps so up. Yeah, yeah, man. Anytime. So that wraps up this edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. As always, we're brought to you by the Mayo Please um, Podcast Network. And we're sponsored by Rattle 11 Chips, PM Plus Reserves. Thanks to them for sponsoring the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. And as always, thank you to Dave Johnson, MPT Now Productions, and JR Beats Official. You can find us in all, on all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As well so till next time We say so long And peace out and we'll catch you on the next Episode have a good night